Sirens rang in the new year in Israel as Hamas fired rockets. The country's Iron Dome missile defense system illuminated the sky with interceptions. The IDF says more than 170 soldiers have been killed since the ground invasion in Gaza. On Sunday, Israel began demobilizing thousands of troops. The first drawdown since the war began with Hamas's murderous attack in October. It comes amid mounting pressure from the White House to scale back the offensive. But Israeli officials warn the end of this war is still months away. We will allow the soldiers to gather strength for the next activity, says the Israeli military spokesman. They could be needed on Israel's northern border. Over the weekend, militants attacked from Syria and Lebanon. Israel retaliated, striking Hezbollah targets. The threats to Israeli as well as U.S. interests also extend to the Red Sea. Iran sailed a warship into the waters today, a day after the U.S. Navy engaged four Houthi boats from Yemen that attacked a commercial ship, sinking three. And over the weekend, Tel Aviv once again saw protesters demand the resignation of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. And tonight, Major, he was dealt another blow. The country's Supreme Court struck down a controversial law that would have limited the judge's powers. Pro-Palestinian demonstrators causing chaos at JFK Airport. Things escalated so quickly, police started making employees show their IDs and passengers showing proof of travel if they wanted to get into the airport. Travelers, they caught quite a bit of chaos going to and from JFK following those planned protests here for New Year's Day. The pro-Palestinian protesters, their aim is to have the rally inside the stations if the air trains are shut down. And police confirm an 80-vehicle caravan with the group uh, traveling eastbound of the Belt Parkway heading towards uh, JFK. Now, they reported about six of those cars stopped traffic, a part of that protest at one point, and it's a clear, visible disruption for travelers. We're going to have a great 2024. What sort of holiday foods have you been enjoying over the last few days? Well, I've been eating everything that's put in front of me. I've been eating pasta, which I love. Yeah. Eating a lot of chicken, chicken parmesan. I've been eating all, all Italian foods, basically. And ice cream. And ice cream. Chocolate chip ice cream. Well, he's incompetent, and he was 25 years ago, too, if you look at his policies. Uh, but he's grossly incompetent. He's not fit for office. And I really think he's a, a danger to democracy. I really believe that because of his incompetence. To advance to the national championship game. Viewers, logs it up, and it is incomplete. Intended for Mitchell. Elijah Jackson had the coverage. Washington hangs on and wins the All-State Sugar Bowl in the college football playoff semifinal. That's Williams in motion. Low snap. No low snap. Michigan makes a stand and comes up with a milestone playoff victory. In the end, they put it in the hands of the quarterback Milrow. 
Michigan was ready for him and stoned him short of the goal line. And J.J. McCarthy, as you said, Kirk, moments any quarterback would dream about. He drove his team down the field at the end of regulation. It was the running game that got it done in OT. The heart is a blue. Shoots up through the stony ground. There's no room. No space to win in this town. Traffic is stuck, and you're not moving anywhere. You thought you found a friend to take you out of this place, someone you can lend a hand in return for grace. So beautiful. day. It is the first day of 2024 for your favorite morning show, not just in New York, but across the country, sitting friends in the morning. Bono, you too, beautiful day at 6.08, dark and early, January 2nd, 2024. This month marks my eight-year anniversary at WABC. I mean, I you know, I, I save a lot of stuff. I don't tell people everything, but I save a lot of stuff, you know. And I remember when when I made the announcement. I Back in uh, 2016, it was a big deal for athletes and other folks to start making announcements. Now it's no big deal anymore. But back then, they would make announcements on social media, Instagram, Twitter, mostly Twitter, you know. Hey, I'm taking my talents to South Beach, which LeBron James did, but of course did that on national television when he decided to sign with Pat Wiley and the Miami Heat. So I remember I was um, just gotten let go by 640 Sports in Pompano Beach. But of course, the months leading up to that exit, dating back four months before that, I had my eyes on the door anyway. I had been doing these fill-in shows with my late great partner, Bernard. And coming to New York. And the shows were, were going very, very well. I knew that WABC was not going to pay Geraldo anymore. He was making way too much money. Um, and they weren't going to do it anymore. So we did uh, three or four of these tryout shows. I knew Chad Lopez, who was in charge at the time and still is. Of course, different ownership back then. It was Cumulus. But I know he was happy with the show. And... I knew that he wanted to bring me back to New York, which, of course, turns out to be the greatest decision he's ever made and maybe anybody in this business has ever made. I mean, let's face it. 
In the eight years I've been back, you can hate me all you want on the Internet. doesn't matter. Truth is, I've taken this city, this state, by storm. So um, I knew that I had an opportunity to come back, but I wasn't sure if they were ready just yet. So when 640 Sports let me go, I remember I called Craig Schwab and I said, here's the deal, Craigie. I'm leaving 640 Sports, and uh, there are two possibilities. I can go to work with my good buddy, and his name is Gary the Greek. He's on a FM station in Palm Beach. I can go to work with my friend Gary the Greek in Palm Beach and stay in Florida, or I can come work for you. And it didn't take a day for Chad Lopez to call me and say, let's talk. And we'll end it there. We've been over the million times already. You know, I miss, I miss, um, died four years ago, December the 27th. Just last week was the four year commemoration of Imus's death. And I actually put up a, a, a photo of me and Imus for about two hours. And then I got nauseous and took it down. Like two hours is two, two hours. hours. Yeah. And really it was because Danielle told me to do it. So, you know, Imus didn't want me back. Well, you guys, you got to thank Imus. You couldn't be more wrong. He didn't want me back. Neither did a whole bunch of folks. But, I, you know, I came back, and uh, I remember I landed at Kennedy Airport January 26th of 2016. And I lived with my sister, Ray Sherry, and my brother-in-law, Albert, in Mill Basin because Ava and Gaby were still little kids. They were going to school in Boca. And Danielle had to stay in Florida so the kids could finish the school year. And then they were going to meet me six months later in New York, which they did. So I lived by my sister for about um, six months. So I arrived on January 26th of 2016. And I remember getting off the plane at Kennedy Airport, and I'd never seen that much snow in my whole life. Now remember, I left Boca Raton that morning, Fort Lauderdale International Airport. It was 76 and sunny. I believe that year was like the all-time record. It was like a 22-inch snowstorm you guys got in January of 2016. And I got there just in time for my brother-in-law, Albert, to hand me a shovel. <laughs> and I said, oh, my God, what did I just do? And my first day on the air was the next day, January the 27th, and it was me and Bernie doing the midday show. And, of course, uh, we did that for a little while. As soon as I got back, I miss wanted me to do sports. So I made up this whole booba mindset about Warner Wolf and, well, he's not in New York and all this nonsense, all lies. He wanted me back the day I arrived, and he eventually found a way to do it. So then I went from doing just middays with Bernie to doing sports again with Imus, which was a blessing and a curse, and the midday show with Bernard. And then when ABC forced Imus out, which is what they did, me and Bernie got the morning show, and that was... I believe in April of 2018, maybe? I don't even remember. Now the, yeah, we were out in 18. Okay, so there it was. March March of 18. Right, so we started the first week of April doing mornings, me and Bernard, 2018. And uh, that's been it. Now, Bernie, uh, of course, tragically passed away. He's gone 15 months, and, and to be completely honest, the last six or seven months, he was barely here. So, for the most part, I've been doing this now for about 21 or 22 months, really going on two years. Because it was about this time, two years ago, January, when Bernie started to get sick. So, it's been a while. 
since um, I've been doing this basically by myself, but not by myself because I've got an unbelievable cast. And I've said time and time again how Lou Ruffino has stepped up and is at this point, uh, and has been for many years, the best sidekick in radio. He's the best. And Ellick is tremendous, and Noam, and, and uh, Jimmy Flippin, who's here today. It's just a, a great cast. And, you know, I've got great great ownership here. John and Margot Katsimatidis, and want to wish them a very happy new year. And uh, Chad. Chad uh, has been with me from, from day one for eight years. So it's a, it's a new chapter, maybe an old chapter, I don't know. But I know that in 25 days, 26 days to be exact. No, excuse me, 25 days, I will celebrate my eight-year anniversary at WABC, and hopefully there will be uh, many more years to come, hopefully. Because um, I think that at this point, it is clear to even the biggest naysayers and detractors that people love this show. I mean, look, I, I, I want to thank John and Andrew, my buddy Andrew Giuliani and Curtis. They did a very fine job last week, very fine job. And I don't know if you could find any better replacements or fill-ins than those guys. In fact, I don't think you can. You know, a lot of the big-time radio hosts, they've got this incredible inferiority complex. We've been over this, too. So you'll notice when a really big name goes on vacation – the fill-ins usually suck. I mean, they're so bad, it's embarrassing. Mike Gunzelman. <laughs> He'll be happy they even mentioned him. I love Mike. I love him. But, I mean, come on. He can't be hosting an I Miss show. I Miss had me host a show once in July, and I told you this. He got a 1,000 emails saying, hey, I Miss, I think it's time you hang it up and let Sid do the show. He's better. I never hosted another show again. Never. It was Connell. It was Bernie. It was Gunzelman. Anybody but me. I don't worry about that. I want the show to sound good even when we're not here. And John and, and Andrew and Curtis did a terrific job last week. Terrific job. And I got tons and tons of messages on my social media, Instagram, Facebook, private messages, direct messages, text messages, you name it. And they all said the same thing. Those guys did a great job, but thank God you're back. And that is how this audience feels. And that is a huge testament to us to be honest, that we've developed that type of relationship with these people, some of which, I must tell you, texted me just as much on my 12 days off as when I'm here. You'd never know I was off. I was still getting morning messages, and, of course, it wasn't great shows. I miss you, but it was all still the same. And I've talked about this many, many times on this show. This show, we built a community. You know, I don't come in every day and... And uh, just talk about Eric Adams and Donald Trump and Joe Biden and congestion pricing and Israel Hamas. I don't do it. I've got a very, very big life. I've got a fantastic wife, Danielle. I've got two amazing children, Ava and Gabriel. I've got other endeavors. I'm acting. In fact, I'm starting to shoot another movie coming up this Thursday. I'll be shooting it Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And I'm proud of it. It's a big deal. I'm working with a lot of very, very big-name Hollywood people, and I've got more and more scripts coming in 2024. That's what this show is. It's not, uh, I'm not doing an hour or two on, on uh, Mayor Adams. This is a lifestyle show. You know, I put it in, um, on an Instagram post while I was on vacation, and I say this all the time, and I hope you guys understand this. 
I'll read it to you one more time. I know I've told you this many times as well, Lewis. Politics is to the Sid and Friends show what the mob violence was to the Sopranos. The periphery, the red meat, both, but the essence of both shows, Sid and Friends in the Morning and the Sopranos, is life, family, and everyday ups and downs. Well said. Like a uh, sidebar. Yes. You know, people talked about the crime stuff in the Sopranos. It wasn't about that. It was about Tony and Tony going to see a shrink at his relationship with his wife and his kids. And you got the inside look at a guy struggling who was running a mob family. But the actual crime and the mob hits, that was not the story. The same thing with this show. The day that they say to me, you know, they never will, but, you know, listen, you got to talk about just politics all day. I'm out of here. See ya. No regrets. Goodbye. But nobody wants that. The reason why this show is so popular and more popular than any other show in the market when it comes to the news political genre is because of what we do. And when I go away, people say to me, how's Danielle? How's Ava? How's Gabe? What's your next movie? I love that. I love it. And I don't apologize. We've got six or seven great guests every day. Six or seven covering everything in this city. From the mayor to the governor, I've got a personal relationship with, with Trump and the mayor. So we don't leave you at the end of four hours feeling like we haven't uncovered every stone going on everywhere. From Israel to Florida to New York. It's like the Godfather, almost. Almost like that. Family, about the whole family. Right. I mean, right. Was, uh, that was the same thing. If you think the Godfather was about mob violence then you don't understand the nuance. It wasn't. It was about Michael Corleone's struggle to be like his father, played, of course, brilliantly by the great Marlon Brando, but at the same time, he was nothing like his father. And that's the essence of this show. That's it. There's a lot going on, a lot going on, and I love it when all of you out there pay attention to all of it. And it just uh, makes me excited what we have, we have here coming up in uh, 2024. Until you cut some horse's head off. Well, that could happen. Yeah, that could happen. Anytime. Could be Curtis. Right. That could yeah. be. Curtis could wake up in that little studio. Well, I, there. I, you know, I almost right. suspended Curtis last week, even on vacation. Wow. While you were on vacation? Yeah, almost. Oh. Somebody sent me a text, and they said, Curtis said you've got a big ego. There's, uh, <laughs> there's the biggest news shocker. Of course I've got a big ego, you morons. I've got a huge ego. I'm a narcissist. I'm the number one radio host in New York. Of course I've got a big ego. But at least Curtis admitted he goes, hey, I've got a bigger ego than you've got. I said, okay, at least you've admitted it. But I almost took him down to three days a week, but I didn't do it. So, Well, horse's head still available. <laughs> yeah, it's still early. It's, still That's right. it's only January 2nd. <laughs> I want you to go out and uh, talk to this, uh, you know, this uh, Curtis guy. Make him uh, understand uh you know, Sid serious. Uh, <laughs> no, I want you to go. Now, out Curtis there. was great. Curtis and uh, Andrew and John, everybody. Again, I appreciate the great shows they put on last week. Now, the open, of course, covered a whole bunch of stuff: Hamas, Israel, the uh, these pro-Palestinians, who, by the way, become less and less relevant every day. I don't pay any attention to these people anymore. There was a time, I'll admit it, not long after October the seventh, they kind of freaked me out. 
I remember that first really large rally in Bay Ridge when they had 5,000 of them. I was like, oh, my God, are they coming to kill me? I really thought that. I can't tell you how many times I called Police Commissioner Eddie Caban and Mike Kemper and Eric Adams and said, I feel like my life is in danger. Really? But now to me, they're just a, a nuisance, a joke. Now, look, if I was traveling at Kennedy Airport, I'd be pissed off. I don't understand. Somebody has to explain to me, okay? How in a city like this, these idiots, these animals, these lowlives are able to do what they do? Cause traffic at the airports on bridges and tunnels. How can they do that? How is that even legal? You know, you want to walk down the streets of Bay Ridge or Williamsburg or the city and embarrass yourselves? Go ahead. You're a joke. Nobody cares about you. Nobody cares. But how, how are they allowed to, to block traffic at the airport? How is that allowed? I mean, you got to just start beating them with bats or something, no? Arrest them. Do something. Then give them reparations. Right. Then, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Trump and then Biden, i got to talk about Ryan Seacrest. And then, of course, we ended the Open with those two magnificent games yesterday. I mean, I want to talk, uh, we'll talk college football with Bernie Kosar today and tomorrow. I'm really excited about this. One of the most beautiful women on television and a great, great former ESPN anchor, Sage Steele, makes her debut on this program. And she's furious about the whole sports world, the whole woke sports world. So we'll talk uh, to both Bernie and Sage, but the college football bowl season is a joke. they got to cancel it. These playoff games, unbelievable. Both games last night, Michigan beating Alabama in overtime. I watched every second was an amazing game. And then Washington beating Texas, setting up this great showdown between the Wolverines and the Huskies. Next Monday night in Houston, Texas. Those were two amazing games. The rest of these bowl games, get rid of them. Florida State loses by 60 to Georgia by 60? 63 to 3? you got to cancel these. Nobody cares. Nobody in the audience cares except the degenerate gamblers. Nobody on these teams care. The coaches don't care. So yesterday was terrific, but for the most part, the bowl season has been a disaster. And the NFL season, how exciting is that? Oh, my God, the Bills and Dolphins playing for the division coming up this weekend. The Texans and Colts, that's a huge game. The The demise of the Philadelphia Eagles, they've fallen apart. Yeah, Justin, we're lucky he's here. Oh, I know he's here. And he is upset, <laughs> yes. Dallas, Dallas beats Washington this weekend, and the Cowboys win the NFC East. The Chiefs, you know, kind of... Not great. I know they won on Sunday and had a big second half, but not great. And Baltimore, <laughs> I mean, if the regular season means anything, including the 49ers, Baltimore beat the Niners. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens right now are the best team in the NFL. 13-3, and three, and they are killing teams. Killing them. Well, now you know why my college football queries always go, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And you just said it. Well, most of these bowl games don't matter. No, they don't They're matter. Stupid. No, they got to fix it. They no next year they move from a fourteen playoff system to a twelve team. Oh, so reducing. So you'll have a lot of really like Georgia, Woo. for example, next year would make the playoffs. Florida State would make the playoffs. So the playoff schedule gets extended. That's good. That's good. But some of these other teams, if you're an SEC team, a Big Ten team, a big time Big Twelve team. You don't care about playing a bowl game against Liberty. Now, as it turns out, 
yesterday, Oregon blew out Liberty, which I'm surprised because, again, I didn't think they would care. But they got to fix it, either extend the playoff system to, like, 16 teams or just cancel the ball games. Anyway, we've got a lot to talk about, lots of great guests today, great, great guest list today. Curtis Sliwa, as always, kicks us off. Rich Lowry, Lizzie Savetsky, live in studio, Rudy Giuliani, Joe Tacopina. Now, have you heard about these stories, Jimmy Flippin, how these um, these mostly politicians, it's happened to Marjorie Taylor Greene eight times, their homes are getting swatted, police people showing up, uh, and tons of them, with guns and major firepower. Have you heard about this? Yeah, actually, we had uh, the guy who took in Hunter Biden's laptop. Yes, you John saw that? Paul, my, he's one of them. Yeah, he got swatted, I yeah. guess, on last Friday. Well, so did Joe Takapina. Wow. Uh, he wasn't home, but his daughter Morgan, Olivia, his grandson Theo were there. Eight cops, big guns, scared the hell out of his family in Connecticut. So he was swatted. He's going to come on today to talk about that. So Yeah, I mean, it's a terrible thing. I mean, there, there's been in the past where people have had, you know, heart attacks because it's so shocking. Yes. It happens. You know, yeah. dogs have been shot dead. Um, you know, because, again, you, you don't know what's happening. You have no idea that this is cops at first. They think it's some kind of home invasion or something like that. You don't know. And, you know, it's funny because, for the most part, it's been Republicans. But, you know, who's popped up now? The secretary in Maine, George Soros. I still think... George Soros is behind this. I do. And I think he purposely set up a couple of Democrats to make it look like this is bipartisan. I don't buy it. This is Soros. These are the Democrats. And the fact that he set himself up only says to me, look, it's not just them. And finally, Bernie Kosar, Miami Hurricane quarterback, great. And also uh, talking about the NFL, the Cleveland Browns. On the way back to the playoffs, we'll talk to Bernie Kosar coming up on this show as well. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Happy New Year, everybody. Sitting friends in the morning. We're here. It's 2024. accident trust gabu law personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time gabu law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you but don't take our word for it read their five-star reviews from former clients on google avo and facebook call gabu law today 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or Email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabolaw, where winning is no accident.
The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. here for you. Turn my head at 6.35 on your January 2nd, 2024, Tuesday morning. So I um, I got invited to this really, really big New Year's Eve party, me and Danielle, by Noel Ashman. He is a uh, very, very well-known New Yorker, big-time producer, director, the whole thing, you know. So he throws all of his parties, including his own birthday party a couple of months ago, I guess. At the Hustler Club, <laughs> who you may remember, dating all the way back to the Republican National Convention, 2004 was the year. And uh, George Bush, 41, came to the WFAN studios in Astoria, Queens. Imus wasn't there. He was at the ranch in New Mexico. But he came because his son... 43, the father was 41, his son, 43, was speaking that night at Madison Square Garden at the RNC. And, of course, he went on to uh, win again, Bush, and then Clinton took over in 2008. You may remember that uh, Bush 41 came and and, uh, gave me a pair of those beautiful green presidential couplings. Bernie got a pair, too. And then Chernoff walked in and he said, he said, uh, listen, Imus isn't here, 
do you mind sitting with the president? He loves you. Him and Barbara and his daughter-in-law, Laura, they love you. And he wants to talk Texas sports with you. A true story. I said, you're kidding me, right? No, I'm being serious. So I followed Chernoff and President Bush 41 and Barbara into uh, Imus's office. And we sat there and talked for a good 30 minutes about everything from the Houston Astros to Rice football. Oh, that was in the office. In Imus's office. Oh, I thought this was in the studio. No, okay. in the office. No, in the studio, Imus was on the air. No, I forgot. From the ranch. Yeah. You were talking about. Okay. It was nuts. In the, wow. <laughs> you were in the office well, talking with them. So that's how my day started. And then that night, I was invited to a bunch of Republican parties. Because that was about the time I started making the switch to a Republican. It really started with Reagan. But anyway. So my cousin, Norm Coleman, had a big party at a cigar bar on the Upper East Side. The late, great John McCain and his wife, Cindy, had a party at Cipriani's. guy named Saxby Chambliss. You remember him out of Georgia? He had a big party. So I ended up uh, going to all those parties and ended the night at the Hustler Club on the West Side Highway. And then the next day, when I started the show on MSNBC, he started the show by showing my empty chair and asking the question, oh, where's that degenerate saber? And I was in a hotel, nowhere near the FAN studios. No, that's not good. <laughs> it wasn't good. No. <laughs> so my, the hustler memories are not great. So I figured when I asked Danielle, she was going to say, oh, God, no, not that place. She said yes. And the party was hosted by Noel Ashman, Ice-T, of course, the great uh, rapper and Law & Order star, and his wife, Coco. So Lou asked me to go to uh, Lenny's in Howard Beach for dinner with him and his lovely uh, significant other, MJ. And I was going to go, but then this invite came up. Anyway, long story short, we ended up taking a nap after the gym that day, woke up at 9 o'clock, and what we do, we do we do every year. We stayed home. Eight consecutive years, we've now stayed home on New Year's Eve. It was extremely close to a better deal situation for me. I was very close to getting better dealed. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, really? Oh, for me, right, because yes. I had a big party, right, right. Right, well, because well, that, I didn't it, hear from you for a few It occurred hours. to me to invite you and MJ, like I did for Stephen Van Zandt, but he had no more tickets. That's that's fine. Yeah. I didn't care. I just yeah. didn't hear from you. Well, I passed out. We took a nap, and we woke up at, like, 9 o'clock, and we're like, do we get ready? Go, You know, if I still lived in the city, I would have gone. Nice and easy, Upper West Side. But going from Queens to the city now is a real hassle. Ubers are a lot of money. And nope. it takes forever. Nope. Yeah, so we decided to stay home. Okay, I thought it was, I was looking at MJ. I said, I'm getting better deal. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's at a party. He's but I did stay party. home. Okay. I didn't go to the party. Okay. So I did uh, what millions and millions of people do every year, which is a major mistake. I put this ass face Ryan Seacrest on. <laughs> I told you. See, I warned you. Well, I just can't stand him. And, you know, listen, I remember when, when uh, my friend over there, held my book up in front of that three million person national audience on her big show talking about Kelly Ripper and Ryan Seacrest sat there folding his arms and and uh, rolling his eyes and oh my god this guy shit so I never liked him from back then but this show that he puts on New Year's Eve is garbage you know how I knew it was garbage before it even started you know who performed live on his rocking New Year's Eve show I'll give you a hint they're a band they're not from this country but their lead singer is on record just a couple of years ago 
saying what a piece of trash the United States is. Why anybody would ever want to go there, I don't know. Billy Joe Armstrong? But they're not from the United States. They're not from the U.S.? I think they're from England. I'm not sure. But um, you may be right. I don't know. All I know is Armstrong and Green Day has hammered the United States for years. And now, New Year's Eve, you're going to bring these hateful bastards to Times Square. You know what they did? They changed the lyrics in the song to purposely take on MAGA and Donald Trump on New Year's Eve. Yeah, right. Saw some, and they're, but they're from California. Okay, from California. They so are. Ryan Seacrest is okay with a band that has spent the last couple of years saying horrible things about America, performing on New Year's Eve and changing the lyrics to do a political hit job on people like me. How is that okay? And then, as if that's not bad enough, who do they bring on live? Live from St. Croix? Joe yeah. and Jill Biden. <laughs> from St. Croix. I couldn't believe what I was watching. Live from St. Croix. Well, he sounded pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> he looked awful. He sounded awful. He said nothing. Didn't bring up the election. Didn't bring up Donald Trump. Nothing important. So at one point, Seacrest, this pussy, he asked Joe Biden about food. Food. This is the question. The world is on fire. They're killing Jews in Israel and Christians in Africa. The world is on fire. And this moron Seacrest, who's a Biden butt boy, you know that, asked the president about food, and the president has to be reminded by his stupid wife what food he actually likes. (laughs) This is Biden, Ryan Seacrest, courtesy of Channel 7, cut number three. What sort of holiday foods have you been enjoying over the last few days? Well, I've been eating everything that's put in front of me. I've eaten pasta, which I love. Eating a lot of chicken, chicken parmesan. I've been eating all all Italian foods, basically. And ice cream. And ice cream. Chocolate chip ice cream. (laughs) Don't forget your ice cream, Jojo. Yes, chocolate chip ice cream. That's appropriate. A lot of people without food, and he's talking about he's eating ice cream. So I changed the channel at that point, and I put on instead um, Live from Nashville, country music, New Year's Eve party. And I'm watching Blake Shelton. I'm watching Cody Johnson. There was some uh, girl who performed. I have no idea what her name was. I'm not even sure she can sing, but she's really pretty. What is her name? I actually wrote it down to see if you knew it. Uh, Lainey Wilson? No. it's Oh, well, she she performed, though. Yeah, she's Carly, great. She's also really yeah, pretty. Carly Pierce. Carly Pierce. I got, I, How'd you I, know I, that? Because I looked up. And I said to MJ, who is who that? Who is that? And yeah. she says, oh, I know her. That's I think that's Carly. Carly and Pierce, I said, yeah. I think you're right. So I stuck with it after that. Right. That, that'll keep you for a little while. Right. But least. then, of course, you know, all you saw was American flags. I mean, you, you know, you, you ask people why, like me, I never liked country music ever. I started to like it in Palm Beach about 15 years ago. And since I've come back here, I love it. I used to love that Nash Country Station. I loved think, it. I, you know, it was good. I think it was Darius Rucker was on that show. I yeah, think. he was on. He was he was good. He was good. And um, again, they had all the uh, all the big country acts. But man, that is that is America right there. The garbage, the the people that Ryan Seacrest brings uh, on between California, oh, and between New York, Los Angeles and New and York, and then he's got uh, you know in uh, Puerto Rico, he's got Mark Anthony's new wife. The girl that replaced Jennifer Lopez. Nice enough girl, Diana, don't get me wrong, but every one of these people hate this country, hate it, and you just can't watch it. 
And none of them have talent. I mean, none of them. None of them. It's the aged out show. We're aged out of that show. All of that. That's the well, Post Malone show. Yeah. The crap Post that they Malone. have on. It's and some really other bad. some other fat guy who tattooed up his whole face looks like an idiot. Jelly uh, Jelly Roll. Yeah, Jelly Roll. <laughs> but he actually was on the the uh, the country show, so I kind of like him. But well, he's a country singer. I know, but he's annoying and stupid. Don't <laughs> tattoo your face. My God. Right. If you wanna... tattoos on your ass are bad enough when you hit sixty five, you're gonna tattoo your face. It's yeah. the wrong genre. What they do don't you do? They don't do that in country Jesus. music. No, American Horror Story. Ay ay ay. So New Year's Eve uh, in this country is a complete waste of time. And then you know I went down to. Times Square last year, and again, millions did it this year, and I just don't know. They have some girl who does it. it used to be Jenny McCarthy, you know, and she's um, all sexed up and ready to go tongue-kissing Donnie Warburg all night. <laughs> but now they got some uh, some girl from England or something. I Rita Ora. Who's that? She's a songwriter and a performer. Danielle and... told me she's famous because she had sex with Rob Kardashian. Yeah, that's mainly it. She's in the papers all the time. Just I mean, she's pretty, pictures. I guess. Yeah, I mean, she's pretty. She's about as New York as, um, as I guess, Bill de Blasio. Oh, can you believe it? LL Cool J <laughs> was 25 feet from me. Oh, my God. Mama said knock you out. Mama said knock you out. That's perfect. Oh, well oh Ryan, that's what's happening over here. Back to you. <laughs> Nicely done, Lewis. All right. Traffic is uh, coming up next. I think Laurie Blanchard is in for Joe Nolan today, but right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of oh, the day. Oh, I love the traffic in New York. This is the craziest place there could be on Earth. Can there be a better place on New Year's Eve? I don't think so. Where, where are we? <laughs> get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and get the max out of many. Well done, Lewis. Today's Cast is from Katz and Cosby, my man. Uh, you know, John Katz and Matidis and Margo actually came into the studios and did the show live New Year's Eve. I fell asleep. I was going to call in between 11.30 and midnight, but I fell asleep. But, uh, yeah, no. but they did the show live from here. Good job by John and Margo. Anyway, here are John and Rita. Maybe you should have been at the Hustler Club when you were listening. <laughs> I'm getting old, my friend. Here they talk with Roger Stone about his best dressed of 2023. I previewed this list on the Roger Stone show on Sunday, New Year's Eve. Uh, and to prove to you that it's not political or ideological, Mayor Eric Adams was first on my list. He is without any question the best dressed mayor of New York City since Bo James. Melania Trump moved from just the best category to lifetime achievement, where she joins Larry Kudlow who was on my list so many years in a row, I had to move him to the lifetime uh, achievement category. Greg Kelly, uh, kind of amazing. What? Two different WABC stars, both on my best-dressed list. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness! Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to peerlessboilers.com, pavilion to find a dealer near you. 
They are the world's best built boilers. Starting on the gridiron here at the collegiate level, where next Monday night's college football playoff national championship is now set and ready after last night's semifinals in the Sugar and Rose Bowls in Pasadena. Top-seeded Michigan outlasted number 4 Alabama in a 27-20 overtime thriller. Thanks to a game-tying drive in the fourth and a game-winning drive in OT, led by Wolverines QB J.J. McCarthy. The win secures undefeated Michigan's first-ever appearance in the CFP national championship game. They'll take on number 2 Washington. Washington had a 37-31 winner over number 3 Texas in last night's Sugar Bowl. Uh, quarterback Michael Penix Jr. He dominated, turned in one of the most dominant performance in college football playoff history, thrown for 430 yards, good for the fourth best passing game in college football playoff history. The win will pave the way to next Monday night's national title game against Michigan, where they'll take a shot, at, uh, Washington that is, at their first national You title. know, I uh, woke up yesterday morning and um, there was a tradition in my household when I was a little boy. My, my mom and dad would, would watch the um, the Rose Bowl parade. You know, New York has the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and California has the Pasadena Rose Bowl Parade. And right. I was explaining to my family that all those beautiful floats they saw yesterday were made out of flowers. I mean, it's, just, it's an unbelievable event. What they do is is really unreal. Mm-hmm. But if you listened, I had NBC on, and it was uh, Hoda Kotb and um, who's the, the, the weather guy used to be fat now, Al Roker. And at one point, my kids and my wife said to me, when did the when did this become the social justice parade? Because every mention, every person that they saluted, every person they honored was black, anything but a white American male. I mean, I'm starting to sound like Clint Eastwood in some of his movies, but you just can't watch TV anymore. No. You just can't watch it. Yeah. I I mean, I watched the Rose Bowl parade as a little boy. It, 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 I never knew. If the anchors are white or black, if the people are white or black, that's all they talk about. That's it. That is it. The white American hardworking male at this point is the enemy. I am a bald Jewish, relatively successful white male in America. I become the enemy. I don't know what to watch. I really don't. Well, then you lose sight about what these events are actually, you know, supposed to be about. Right. It's supposed to be inspiring and fun and beautiful and instead... Just like Ryan Seacrest, after 10 minutes, I had to shut it off. I was nauseous. Just like New Year's Eve. Yeah. I mean, it's 9 million channels on my television, and I constantly watch Law & Order on USA. That's it. (laughs) Law & Order all day. Law & Order. Law & Order. Law & Order. You can't watch anything else. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Josh. It's okay, y'all. It'll be okay. Happy New Year. (laughs) Just reruns. That's it. They're the only thing reliable out there on television anymore. (laughs) On the uh, hardwood last night, quickly, here, OG Unan. Anunobi, I should say, uh, made his uh, debut for the Knicks, 17, before How he fouled out. How about that trade? Yeah. The Knicks trading R.J. Barrett and the one that really hurt quickly. Yeah, quickly was a fan favorite for sure. So we were at uh, the Garden Christmas Day, me and Gabe, when the Knicks blew out the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Two days later, Barrett and quickly were gone. Yeah. And now people are saying the Knicks are even better. Well, uh, a lot of people are saying that. Well, they said they couldn't sign quickly. He yes. wanted too much money. Right. They're going to lose him anyway. Yes. And Barrett was way too inconsistent. So this kid they got from Toronto was a very good two-way player. Mm-hmm. And Randall has been one of the best players in the NBA the last couple of months. Yep. And they beat the team with the best record in the Western Conference at the Garden yesterday relatively easily. Relatively easily, yeah. No, uh, Anunobi's a good, a great piece, actually. Uh, quickly, you're right about. And then RJ, of course. I mean, he was a big piece going into Too this inconsistent, season, but, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, two inconsistent. And we'll see if the Knicks do something else. I think there's probably one more major deal on the table. Yeah. 
But the Knicks are a contender. They're not Milwaukee or Boston, but they're certainly a contender at this point. They've beaten some of the best teams. They beat Milwaukee and Minnesota in the last couple of weeks. They're in the pack right there for sure. Tonight, the Nets open their new year against the Pelicans with an 8 p.m. tip-off in Enola. And finally, on the ice, no action last night. Rangers and Islanders back at it tonight. The Rangers get the Carolina Hurricanes at 7 p.m. at home, and the Islanders will pay a visit to the Avalanche in Colorado at 9 p.m. That's sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTakeList.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. A gypsy wind is blowing warm tonight. The sky is starlit and the time is right. And still you're telling me you have to go Before you leave there's something you should know Yeah, something you should know, babe I've seen you smiling in the summer sun I've seen your long hair flying when you run I've made my mind up that it's meant to be Someday, lady, you'll accompany me. Someday, lady, you'll accompany me. Out where the rivers meet the sound and sea. You're high above me now, you're wild and free. Oh, someday, lady, you'll accompany me. Bob Seeger classic. Someday, lady, you'll accompany me. So I can't tell you why yet because there's one more song, Lewis. You have to play later on in the morning, and the the, uh, two songs I sent you are both in a movie that I saw during this vacation that I absolutely love. Now, the movie ended with this song, The Great Bob Seger, Accompany Me, a very, very pretty young lady and a young man hopped in a car together. He was on his way to Princeton. And she was on her way to relocating to California. That's all I can tell you now. When I you play the Hall and Oates song later. Oh, that's it. Okay. I'll give you the rest. Oh, I love these. It's a great movie, bro. I, I, I mean, I was shocked. My daughter Ava was watching it. Usually she watches the most moronic stuff on television. I mean, she's a, you know, a second year law student. She's a genius, my daughter. And she watches all these stupid adolescent shows. But this movie, I couldn't get up. I loved it. So we'll get to that later. So, we've got a huge guest list today and tomorrow. Very excited. Sage Steele, the uh, ESPN former anchor, beautiful girl, makes her debut on the program tomorrow. And Mark Levin, who I spoke to almost every day on vacation. Every day. He also comes back, I think, today or tomorrow. He'll be on uh, tomorrow, too. But today, 
become armed with firepower. Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry, live in studio, Lizzie Savetsky, Rudy Giuliani, Joe Tacopina, and former college and NFL quarterback great Bernie Kosar. All that coming up in the next three hours with me, Sid Rosenberg, and him, Bob Seeger, exclusively on Talk Radio 77 W-A-B-C. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 W-A-B-C. Savetsky, Rudy Giuliani, Joseph Tacopina, and former NCAA and NFL quarterback great Bernie Kosar all coming on today. But, of course, we start the show every weekday. Nothing's changed here in 2024 with Curtis. Curtis gets big ratings every weekday afternoon. The Rip and Read, noon to one. Overnights uh, on the weekend did a really, really nice job. Curtis, along with Andrew Giuliani and John Katsimatidis, filling in for me last week, which I really do appreciate. And I thought about uh, Curtis a little bit uh, two days ago because I was sending out my Happy New Year's to everybody. A really nice picture of me and Danielle, and and I uh, believe it was either Stephanie Bongiorno or Gina, I forget, who put the Happy New Year graphics on it. We sent it out to everybody. It was nice. And I sent it to uh, the mayor, you know, and I never got any response, and I was kind of surprised. Now, I don't talk much to the mayor anymore. I saw him once weeks ago at Paul DiGiacomo's DEA Christmas party with a bunch of cops. Otherwise, you don't talk. And you don't answer me back. And I was like, wow, okay, uh, whatever. And then it occurred to me that the last two or three messages that I sent to the mayor, including inviting him on this show tomorrow, today I should say, what a way to start 2024. Let the mayor come on, assess what he thought about his year two performance and what he plans to do in year three. And I got no response. And then it occurred to me, here's what I thought about you, Curtis, that he's not getting these messages because the FBI confiscated that phone. (laughs) So I really, at this point, I mean, I can text Menashe Shapiro or Fabian Levy or a number of people to get to the mayor, but I won't do it. So at this point, I really have no direct contact for the mayor. I don't care because, as I've said many times, I have come to the conclusion that although I think he's a decent man, I don't dislike Eric Adams. Actually, I kind of like him. But he's done a terrible job as mayor. Terrible. And uh, a lot of it is his fault. Some isn't. But he better have a better year three. 
than he had year two. I mean, I'm sorry. I remember before year two, he said, this is going to be my Aaron Judge year. Judge broke the all-time home run record a couple of years ago. This was uh, about a Doug Flynn offensive season, hitting 178 with nine RBIs. So he better come back with a better year three, or a lot of us, including me, I'll get out of here. I don't care. I'll move to Florida. Listen, when I got uh, fired or left, whatever you want to call it, by FAN, I had to come back and kind of rewrite the book. I've done it. I've proven I can come back and have success in New York. I've done it in a big way. I'm old. I'm tired. There's a lot of nonsense and politics in New York City, which I could do without. So I don't care, okay? If he doesn't fix things in a hurry in this city, more of us are going to leave. I promise you that. I know you agree with that, Curtis, obviously. Oh, absolutely. But I told you, when they snatched his phones outside NYU, the FBI, and his own police details stepped away, which means he's got a rat in his own police detail. (laughs) Right. I told you, they snatched his phones. He's been using burner phones ever since. Motorola burner phones. You don't believe me. No, you did. No, I do believe you. And you did say it all the way back when. But I do believe you because I'm living proof. Oh, yeah. He has not returned a message in months. He's not not because he doesn't like me. Some FBI agent is getting it saying, hey, (laughs) this is somebody, a person of interest we may want to talk to. (laughs) He's still the only schmuck who keeps texting Eric Adams on his old phone. So apparently Eric hasn't given you his new text number on his burn it well, well, why would he? I mean, let's be honest. It's not like I go on the air and say glowing things about him. I put you on every day, and for the most part, I mean, you're a very entertaining guy, obviously, but for the most part, your segments are all about killing Eric. Why would now, he want on. to give me his number? Hold on a second. This segment is more about you, Sid. It always has been and always will be. You're talking all these things. Oh, Eric didn't get back to me. Yeah. Well, guess what? You still have my phone number, and let me give the time. This past Wednesday, yeah. 5.44 at night, right yes. after I had done a hit with Katz and Matitas and Rita, which had finished now I eight hours of radio that day, yeah. let me quote you. Yeah. If you say I have a big ego again, I'll shave your appearances to three effing days. That's exactly what I said. Quote, unquote. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying, what the hell is this guy talking about? This guy is threatening me. Yes, I did. Right after the heroic Port Authority police had stopped the Hamas crazies from taking over JFK. They know how to do it, not the NYPD. NYPD did it yesterday. No arrests. They tied up JFK. They tied up LaGuardia. Leave it to the Port Authority. On that day, I was celebrating, dancing the horror of the Tarantella. <laughs> yeah. They had arrested 26 Hamas nutniks. They cuffed them. They put their butts right on the curb. Everybody saw them. Everybody was cheering the Port Authority police. So what did your friend Eddie Caban do? No, this time we got it. How many arrests? None. How many times did the Hamas nutniks stop traffic going in and out of JFK and LaGuardia? Every time. NYPD, move aside, let the Port Authority police do this. And then, at the end of all that, as I'm celebrating, what do I do? I get a text from Sid Rosenberg, who is probably sitting on his couch, scratching his belly button. No, 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 no. I I was at the Crystal Springs Resort. I'll get to that later. And I was getting messages from people who said, you are kind enough, as if it's my choice. It's not my choice. Uh, You are kind enough to allow Curtis to fill in for you. And uh, he's clobbering you about your ego. So then I was compelled to send you the message. Of course, it was uh, uh, I was only kidding. Oh, yeah, yeah, kidding, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And what was this, you, with Lou this morning? Oh, Curtis, 
Yeah. And Andrew and John Katsimatidis, they did a very fine job. They did do a good what job. What the hell is a very fine job? That's like kissing your sister on the cheek. You want the answer? Yes. The answer is he did a very, very good job, but you guys will never be me. There's your answer. And if people want to get upset with me upstairs, why didn't you place, just say that? I don't care. Why didn't you just say that and said, oh, you guys I did me, a very, very, very fine uh, job. Thank you very much to you guys for doing a very, very good job, but you'll never be me. And let me tell you, <laughs> while you were away, yeah. I had an itch attack. I'm itching morning, noon, and night. Oh. Oh, my God. I don't know if it's the hives. I don't what? know who I'm allergic to here. What are you talking I'm about? itching, itching, itching <laughs> like it's nonstop. The curse of Eric Adams is upon me. He put the itch on me. How, well, where are you itching exactly? All over the place. Maybe it, you have scabies. Including below my... Oh, man, below my navel. Everything. My tuchus, my cheeks, do you everything. Have any, do, you have, do you have any red dots? Let me just say, <laughs> if you start itching now, say, good. This will be the curse oh, of Curtis Lee on you oh, for the new God. year. So you're going to give everybody here scabies. That's basically what you've got, probably. What are probably. you suggesting, that I have some sexually transmitted diseases? <laughs> no, 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 I've never no, gotten no. my letter no, from no. the Department of Health of New York City. Never. <laughs> I, I know your wife, Nancy. She's a lovely, lovely lady. And let me say this. This may be new for you, but for the first time this year, and if I'm wrong, fine, uh, I'm seeing a lot of Curtis and Nancy, Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, taking pictures together. I've never seen that side of Curtis Lee. Oh, so now you're seeing a more softer, yeah. sensitive side. Yeah, you, you're, you, you are clearly copying me and Danielle. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Oh, I walk in your shadow, Sid. Quote, if you say I have a big ego again... I'll shave your appearances to three effing days. Well, your answer to me was even better. You said, I did say it, but by the way, I've got an even bigger ego than you. Damn right. I said, humongous ego. <laughs> you need a crane to get me in and out of the studio. I can't even get my beret off my head any longer. My head's gotten how, so big. How many hours did you do last week? Oh, endless. And you know, on Saturday, I'm getting ready to come in with Anthony Weiner. You know, I do the one hour there and then all night long. Yeah. And, you know, Texas me. Boy, I, I get tons of hate mail about him, too. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Guy, guy texts me, tells me, stay home. Who told you to stay home? John Katzmatidis. Then he comes in, and he's singing with Anthony Weiner on the airways. Kesarasarat. I said, that's it. My New Year's resolution is no more singing on WABC. You and Justin <laughs> Ellick. Yeah. Rudy Giuliani was singing. That Mama Luke Frank Morano. Dominic Carter's doing karaoke. What the hell are you turning WABC into, <laughs> including John Katzmatidis? <laughs> the worst version of Kesarasarat I ever heard. Well, John loves music. I know. Nothing to do with that. I mean, yeah, you could love music, but save save it for the shower. Well, I understand, but I mean, John is a guy that brought cousin Bruce Morrow here, and Vinnie Madugno, and Tony Orlando. And he so. told me to stay home on Saturday. <laughs> I get that it. never happened before in thirty five years of radio. Why? Because you wouldn't sing? I re no, not because I wouldn't <laughs> sing. He felt that I needed rest. Yeah. There is nothing you can say to me. Yeah. Oh, why don't you take an hour or two <laughs> to just relax, right? <laughs> There'll be plenty of time to relax when I'm dead. Right. That's because, what my mother always says. Exactly. And your mother was so right. Yeah. That's old school. It is old school. And so when you suddenly tell me, oh, don't come in, you know what I start thinking, Sid? You start thinking the same thing. Have I lost it? Suddenly, am I no longer Curtis Leroy? Am I no longer hey, desirable? I need a guy singing K-Sarah-Sarah to substitute for me. Let me uh, emphasize what you're saying, okay? Despite the huge success that we have here every morning. And I do consider you part of the morning show. You're on every day. It's me, you, uh, Noam, and uh, Jim, and Joe Nolan, and, and Lewis, and Alec. 
uh, despite it, every day that I get to this office at about 5 a.m. and I put my card to the reader, every day I get in, I'm like, thank God. Exactly. You just don't know. Exactly. You just don't know. They lend you the <laughs> microphone. It's like when you used to go to the city park and the park, he would lend you the basketball. And then at the end of it, he would take the basketball away. The next day you show up, you didn't know if you were getting the basketball. And then to be insulted, Sid, Roger Stone, who was on this airways on the weekend. Is he still on? Yes, he is. No. And then he doesn't even put you on the best dress oh, list. That's, uh, beyond wait, stupid. wait, hold on. Greg Kelly, oh, you please. see how he walks in here? It looks like he could be a sanitation I, guy for I, the I, New I, York I, City sanitation department. He's actually he's a handsome guy, oh, yes, Greg. Yes, he is. But he dresses horribly. None of his suits fit. None no, of them. No. It looks None like he didn't even get him off the rack. <laughs> he went know. to Delancey Street, right? Oh. On the Listen, Lower East Side. No, I, no. I, I believe Roger Stone, for the better part of two months. I like Roger. Any friend of uh, Trump is a friend of mine. And he does a night show. Uh, but I believe he called me like Sid Lipschitz for like two months. Didn't even know my, my last name. I mean, he's on he's on a station oh, come on. That, where, where, where that, I get the biggest been, ratings by a mile. It could have been your name, Lipschitz. I mean, let's face it. Come on. How do we know you didn't change it? How do you know when you were down with the Altenkakas waiting for the Bluebird special, 4 yeah. o'clock in the afternoon, you know, for your baked trout? Yeah, I'm going to change it from Rosenberg to Lipschitz. That's exactly. right. You know, I was, thinking about your, I, I was thinking about your New Year's Eve, too, because... Oh, you were? Yes. Uh, were you getting you uh, sexually excited on New Year's Eve thinking of me? It happens you, every you now know, and you, then. Are, you are a metrosexual. You know, you said this is a lifestyle show. I want to brand the Sid Rosenberg show the metrosexuals <laughs> show of all radio. It is. Because it's all about you as a peacock strutting around with yeah, other peacocks. Oh, I like that suit. I like that tie. I like this. And then you... You and Anthony Corona in the hot tub there, <laughs> pleasurizing one another. Yeah. You, this is a metrosexual lifestyle Oh, uh, you're show. right. It is. I get Botox, and I get uh, I go tanning, and I do care about my clothing. By the way, I missed Anthony Corona last Tuesday. Last Tuesday was our monthly dinner. Paul Carlucci, who, by the way, Paul Carlucci's son, yes. starts here today. Oh, I've known him well. Oh, that's great. So Paul and Keith Kantrowitz and me and, and Anthony and occasionally Mark Simone and Mark Oranger and Michael Kemper. I couldn't make it last Tuesday at Casa Cipriani. Those guys went without me. But um, I thought about you this evening because before I left, the last show we did, Friday, December the 22nd, I had Lewis play the All Lang Syne version sang by the great Guy Lombardo. And then I had to explain to people here who work with us, they're much younger, who Guy Lombardo was. And um, it, it occurred to me how sad it is that some of our greatest traditions, and you're a very, very old-school traditional guy, that's oh, why yeah. I love you, uh, they just don't know anymore. No, Royal Canadians, right down the block at the Waldorf Astoria, when radio was king, there was no TV, Guy Lombardo, a Canadian would welcome in our new year with Olang Sign. And who do they watch? Ryan Seacrest. Well, I did that for a little while. Then I got, Milk once toast. I saw Joe and Joe Biden, I shut Milk it off. Toast. That would be like you sitting there with Danielle, you know, in Shea Rosenberg there, you know, in the Irish Riviera, and she has to bump you and say, isn't it chicken parmesan your favorite dish, Sid? <laughs> would you tell everybody it's chicken parmesan while you're drooling? Yeah. You know, while you're drooling. And his eyes are like closed. He oh got some God. weird face work. He looked weird. She had he? to remind him, I scream, Joe, I scream. <laughs> Remember, you love ice cream. Oh, yeah, 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 chocolate chip ice cream. Oh, my God. Now, imagine, you're Hamas, you're Hezbollah, you're the Houthis, Houthis, Houthis. You're looking at this and saying, we got it. 
We got, can you believe this guy? He can't even remember he likes ice cream. Well, that's why this is such a huge year, 2024. And I know I've said this about the last three or four elections. I think I've said this dating back to Obama versus Kerry. This is the biggest, uh, excuse me, versus uh, Romney. This is the biggest election yet, but this one really is well, coming up this something. November. Yeah, this I, is huge. I, I, I don't have any, I don't have any battles with you on that, but I want to know who is that somebody that sent you that text about me that said that, hey, if you say I have a big ego again, I'll I'll shave your appearances to three effing days. Hold on. I'm looking Who is it up. That? Which one of the guys who's trying to kill me was trying to get me off Hold your on. show? I'm looking it up. Oh, yeah, you rat. You, you want r- the answer? You rat who ate the Parmesan cheese. Tell me who the rat is. John Katsimatidis. What? Kidding. You're kidding. <laughs> Stop singing Tesera Sarah, John. Oh, my God. That was the worst I'm rendition. Kidding. Save it for the shower. John stuff. loves you. So, listen, on the way out here, God, I missed you. Um, you're brilliant. You really are. Wait, uh, see, I'm not having sex with you. No, I Stay know. loyal and well, true to year. Daniel. It's only January 2nd. I thought, I thought you committed to Anthony Corona in the hot tub there. Well, I, By the way, he I'll is come, cuter than you. Could you I'll tell him that. I'll come into his hot tub with my itch, <laughs> and then the guy will be itching all over morning, noon, and Oh, my God. Uh, Margot Katzmatidis was like Florence Nightingale. She came with a basket full of every conceivable schmear and cream in the wheel. Yeah, Yeah, Margot, I'm sorry. I'm getting so excited. I I mean, I'm so crazy. This itch, I keep itching. I hope you get what I have. I can guarantee you it's not the crabs. It is not the crabs. I never got a letter from the Department of Health in the city of New York in my life over having sexually transmitted diseases. You are funny. So I want to ask you how many letters you've gotten, Sid Rosenberg. Different but remember, story. it's HIPAA. It's covered by HIPAA. Yeah, maybe maybe a different show will cover that. Uh, year three coming up for Eric Adams. Is this the year? Because now we're getting closer and closer to him running again. Is this the year that you officially announce you're running against Adams for mayor, or do you wait till next year? Well, you're my campaign manager, so I have to consult with you uh, unfortunately, you are privy to everybody else advising you under the sun. And I'm just waiting to see when that Epstein old flight log is released later today, which one of your many guests will be on the document dump. <laughs> Well, Bill Clinton doesn't come on my show, I can tell oh you that. Oh, my God, he's number 36B. He's on that, those documents 50, 50 times. times. I saw that, 50, 50 times. Yeah. But I want to know, from your many guests, and you have had a lot of these jet setters, trendoids, freakazoids on your show They're over the friends. years. They're Eight my friends. years they've been with you. <laughs> yeah. How many of your friends are going to be on Epstein's old flight logs, you know, from Teterboro Airport? You want to make any predictions? You want to show some balls? Yes, yes, on the Lolita Express to yeah. uh, Pedophile Island. Why don't you give me two guys? Guys that you think are on that list that are friends of mine. Oh, a definite. Uh, Pedophile Express, it has to be traced back to Poly Prep because your football <laughs> coach there was the biggest pedophile in the world. So definitely Arthur Idala and your coming up guest here, what? right? Takapina oh. Tapioca Head. I mean, that's pedophile high school. What is Poly Prep best known for? It's football coach who is a pedophile who perved on at least a hundred guys who play football there. They all knew it. Oh, but he's a winning coach. Hey, you want to pull my chain, coach? Hey, can you put me in? I can play halfback. Now, wait a second. I got a choice of halfbacks here. Who's going to go to sleep with me in pedophile hell? I mean, that's what Poly Prep Day School is best known for, a coach who was from pedophile heaven. So I predict 
Arthur Idala and Joe Tapioca Head will be on the old flight logs, which will be in the document dump about Epstein's best, best friends later on today. My prediction, I remember, I'm Nostradamus here at WABC. Is sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Between days, the cure at 738 on your January 2nd, 2024. Right before that great piece by O'Reilly, and he is right. We are now the divided states of America. I just happen to be on the right side, right both direction and right in terms of right or wrong. You did hear me do a commercial for Crystal Springs Resort, and we did spend a couple of days, me, Danielle, Ava, and Gabriel, at Crystal Springs over the break, and uh, it was another great time. In fact, uh, Chris Mulvihill, who runs the place, made it his business to uh, come to the hotel and say hello to me, which was very, very nice. And Susan Chipoletti, i got to call her out. i, I got to mention her. She is just so terrific. I mean, anything we wanted to do, any activity, any restaurant, Susan made sure we got it done. They have an amazing restaurant. You know, I actually passed by Sparta, New Jersey, on the way to uh, Crystal Springs Resort. And uh, George, you know, George V., who works upstairs, Red Apple with John and the whole crew. I love George, former FBI guy, real hero. He uh, he lives in uh, Sparta, not far from Crystal Springs. And I was uh, curious if he goes to this La Tour restaurant. It is an amazing place. Five-star, uh, people who don't stay at the resort come there all the time. And we've had two meals there, and it is one of the best restaurants I've ever been to, not just in this country, mind you, around the world. And they have this uh, great gym, Minerals, Hotel, which is, uh, they've got two hotels. We stayed at the Grand Cascades Lodge, but they've got the Minerals Hotel as well, and they got a beautiful gym there. I worked out every day, me and Danielle, and basketball courts where my son Gabriel, for the first time in his life, kicked Daddy's ass. He kicked my ass. So we had a great stay, and we do want to thank 
Once again, Chris and Susan and Michelle and Leslie, everybody for making it happen. Folks, I'm going to say it again. Whether it's a family vacation or a company retreat, that is the perfect place, just an hour and a half from the city, right over the GW Bridge. Don't need to go to Florida. Don't need to go to California. Crystal Springs gets it done. So we've uh, been through uh, Curtis. He was great this morning. A great guest list the rest of the way, which includes Rich Lowry, Rudy Giuliani, Joseph Tacopina, former college and NFL great Bernie Kosar, and coming up live in studio in the 8 o'clock hour, Lizzie Savetsky. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. December is over, January 2nd, 2024. You know, I get home last night. We had gone to the gym, and um, I have a gym store for you today, too. I changed my gyms, Lewis. I'll get to the reason why coming up later. But I Can I wait already? You can wait. But there's a serious political message as to why I changed my gyms. But we got back uh, from the gym, Danielle and I, and there was a, um, well, there was a big package outside my front door, and I opened it up. And it turns out my neighbors, I love these people, Billy and uh, Jackie Felton. Billy's a firefighter. Jackie's a teacher. They're wonderful people. They've got three beautiful kids. And their oldest, Valentino, their daughter, dropped off this package. And there's a note in here from a guy named Carl Graziano. Carl Graziano happens to be a firefighter, a retired FDNY, and former NYPD officer as well. He worked with Billy Felton in their firehouse in Brooklyn. Long story short, when I went to Joe Murray's Christmas party back then, he uh, he was the first person I saw walking down the block. And it turns out his mother, who he calls mommy like I call my mom, is a huge fan of the show. So I said, call her. He said, what? I said, call her. And I spoke to his mom, and she's delightful. And uh, he appreciated that immensely. So he dropped off this uh, this care package, if you will, with an FDNY hat, an NYPD hat, bunch of FDNY T-shirts and pins, and it was lovely. So thank you, we'll call Graziano and the Feltons, of course, and call your mom, who's listening right now. God bless her. Like Naomi, God bless all of our moms. My next guest is not just the editor of the National Review and a great, great guest. He's usually on Mondays, a political NBC, but is 1,000% on the list of 170 coming out today for Jeffrey Epstein 
my dear friend, Rich Lowry. Good morning, Rich. <laughs> I'm already glad I'm back, Sid. This is the introduction I was hoping for. Yeah, you're not going to get that with Chuck Todd. I can promise you that. But on a serious note, are you worried? Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, 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 I do not live an exciting enough life to be no, on I, the, uh, I know you don't. Near the Jeff, yeah. Jeff but, you, you know, I don't think there's going to be any. I mean, we've heard Bill Clinton mentioned 50 times. <laughs> Duh. You know, Prince Andrew's come out already yeah. now that Epstein's dead and said, oh, I regret the relationship, blah, blah, blah. He's a liar, too. But uh, I don't think we're going to see any shocking names. Do you? <laughs> I agree. I mean, it's been reported pretty extensively right for for years now um we've seen it in grocery store tabloids and in the mainstream press everywhere these names so i i agree with you I, I, it'd be shocking if we see someone big who's new i think now, i was talking to uh, steve bannon right before vacation when you were just getting over pneumonia i'm glad you're feeling better these days and uh, he and i both agree that um i don't care what uh, evidence you try to show me there's no way jeffrey epstein killed himself there's too many people that wanted him dead and a lot of things had to happen at that Manhattan jail that night for him to do it. And every one of them happened. So we're pretty convinced, me, Bannon, and many others, that Epstein was murdered. Do you have a, a feeling on that or not really? I'm, I'm uh, kind of anti-conspiratorial, and it's sometimes wrong foots me because there, there are a lot of people who are very suspicious and like, there must be a conspiracy. I'm always, ah, there's no conspiracy, even if there's a conspiracy. Right. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I think he probably killed himself. I have to say the, I don't know whether this was you, but it, someone was telling me a couple months ago, Rich, you know what's going to happen? You know, Trump's going to get close to the nomination. Then they're going to start kicking him off the ballots everywhere. And I was like, nah, you know, that would never happen. And of course, here we are. And here we are. It's right. You've got Colorado, and now uh, over the vacation, this uh, horrible lady up in Maine did the same thing. Now Trump is going to appeal this. I can't imagine the Supreme Court is going to uphold any of these. This is completely unconstitutional and really anti-American. I mean, I don't like him, so he can't run in my city or my state, I should say, which is really reprehensible. It's unbelievable. But it is going on right now, and there may be others. But I don't believe when it's all said and done, it's going to happen. What about you? Totally agree. There's no way the court lets this stand. At least Colorado, you had the cover of a court deciding. It didn't mean the decision was right, but at least it was a court. And then in Maine, you just get an appointed Secretary of State, you know, certified Trump hater deciding on her own that she's going to do it. And, you know, under the Constitution, if you engage in an insurrection, you're, you're disqualified. But he didn't get engaged in it. Insurrection, yeah, they make it sound as though everyone. By the, by the way, by the way, he, he wasn't even charged. I mean, you know that Smith desperately wanted to charge him with that. He couldn't even do it. Yeah, and all, and all the people they've charged for going into the Capitol on January 6th, they all say, oh, I did it because Trump did it, told me to. And then Justice Department says, no, he didn't. <laughs> you're guilty. Yeah. You know, you're responsible. Yeah. So to turn around and say, no, he, he was the puppet master here, you know, when a technical legal matter, he says, go peacefully. Correct. He tweets, you know, a couple times, let's, let's, let's make this peaceful, guys. But they, they make it sound as though, you know, everyone who had suspicions about the election seceded, you know, and then Trump was like the Jeff Davis. Davis of the uh, of the election doubters and, and waged a civil war against the country, and he just he didn't. It's absurd. It is absurd, and it's, it's worse than absurd. It's dangerous, and uh, it's a lie. But it ain't working. At least now. I mean, you know, again, uh, you're one of those guys. I love you. You know, I love you to pieces. But you're one of those guys that it's always oh, it's like Yogi Berra. It's not over until it's over, <laughs> even though it's been over. Uh, it's not working. I mean, every poll everywhere has Trump. Uh, forget about the primary. Has Trump beating Biden? pretty easily in some of these seven swing states. So 
uh, despite the media's attempt, and the media has become completely untrustworthy, despite their attempt, it uh, at least right now it's not working. Yeah, the, the dumbest line in journalism is, and you see it all the time, you know, there'll be a story about a, a poll in the primary or whatever, and say, despite his legal troubles, Trump, you know, is surging in, in the, the primary. It's not despite, it's because, I mean, the only two things that have happened in this primary that has been incredibly boring, because uh, nothing's happened except for Trump's been dominant, is one, he's been indicted, and now he's been kicked off some ballots, which helped him a lot. And two, his polling against Biden has been incredibly strong, which has taken away the electability argument. Um, in some national polls, I think there was one a week or so ago, he hit 70%. Yeah. In Iowa, he's above 50. So the the, the one flying the ointment for, for Trump, potentially, Nikki is close to New Hampshire. I would say, you know, 30% chance maybe she wins New Hampshire. But even if she does, so what? Right. She'll, she'll surge to 30% everywhere, which is just 20% short of where she needs right. to be. It's such nonsense. I'm, I'm tired of talking about Nikki. I really am. I mean, God bless her. I mean, I, although I did see some rumors last week, which is – Really hard to believe because I've had these conversations on this show with Lara Trump and uh, Andrew and, and Donald to a certain extent. But seeing the, the story last week that uh, Trump and Nikki Haley, you may want to consider that as a possible team. I mean, after all she said about him and how she really backstabbed him and ran out of the White House uh, way before she should have years and years ago. I mean, I'd be shocked. I know Trump wants to win, and she can help with those suburban housewives, but she really has turned out to be a louse when it comes to him. <laughs> I'd be surprised, too, but, you know, both sides, they don't they don't say no when when they're asked. So you got to think it's a, at least a consideration. You know, it balances the ticket ideologically. It balances the ticket um, in, in sort of a traditional party way, which, you know, she represents 25% of the party that he wants to have with him if he's going to get over the top against Biden. She's a woman. You know, the su- suburbanites like her. But I'm, I'm with you. I still find it hard to believe they'd actually pull the trigger on that. So I don't know about you, but I uh, I made the mistake, and I do it every year. I should know better, but I do it. I put on this uh, Ryan Seacrest. I can't stand Ryan Seacrest. I can't stand him. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, the, the guy is he's just a pandering. And, and God bless him. Uh, you know, I could work 100 lifetimes. I want to amass half the money this guy has. He looks great. He's got the world. And he's got the, the, you know, he's got it all. All right. So I give him credit for that. But he is the biggest pandering, you know, phony I've ever seen. And he brings on Joe and Jill Biden live on Rockin' New Year's Eve, live from St. Croix. And Jill Biden has to remind, remind the president that he loves chocolate ice cream. The president looked weird. I don't know if he got some facial work done lately. His eyes were slits. His face looked a little, he looked a little jaundiced, to be honest. I mean, he's always looked like a skull. Yes, like a skull. skull. I mean, you look at this guy. This guy's got four more years, Rich. Come on. Yeah, no, it's it's ridiculous. We we turned it on around 11, and and we're like, who is this? person in this outfit and and is this america and it, you know it's puerto rico it, it's, 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 <laughs> some some aging pop star from puerto rico my wife yeah. let's turn this off yeah that that, that, uh, that, that this mark mark anthony's wife uh, he married her after jennifer lopez was uh, doing right. the live reporting from puerto rico yes yeah, and then and then we turn it on at the end, just as, you know, they had the best shot of the confetti and the ball and everything. And there's some big guy. I mean, who's that guy with Ryan Seacrest? Um, uh, he he's a big. I think he's like a white guy, a big, but he's he's huge. And, I, and I, I'm not enough, up enough on pop culture to know who these people are. I don't, listen, I don't either. I, I can tell you this: once he brought on Joe and Jill Biden, I swear to God, <laughs> I put on the the New Year's Eve from Nashville. 
And I, and, and Rich, but wait, these people are great Americans. All you saw are American flags and good-looking people, you know, singing yeah, the yeah. lyrics. There was no MAGA hate like these low lives from Green Day. How does a band like that, who has spent the last two years, their lead singer, Billy Joe Armstrong, all he does is crap all over America. Then they change the lyrics mm-hmm. on New Year's Eve to, to, to bang out MAGA. How does Ryan Seacrest allow that? Come on. Mm-hmm. There you go. I mean, they just think it's it's the mainstream thing, right? They think everyone believes that because everyone they they uh, deal with believes that. But on, on Biden and the way he looks, he looks like something like from a threatening sci-fi movie that would be to just govern us by by seeing his head, you know, his skull, <laughs> handing down edicts, right? I mean, uh, yeah. if it's not pathetic, it's threatening. Uh, but I could say this on the way out. If that was the worst of it, I could live with it. If he just looked weird and pathetic and all these things, but... You know, he's done exactly. I've got Lizzie Savetsky coming up live in studio in about 20 minutes, and she is about the biggest pro-Israel voice in the country, maybe in the world. And he has done exactly what we all knew he was going to do on October the 7th, which is act as if he cared, even though he's been in bed with Iran for 10 years. 10 years. Iran, the country that basically funded all these attacks. He was going to say something nice, fool the morons here in this country, and eventually was going to stab Israel in the back. And to be honest, the eventually came even sooner than I thought. Yeah, took about a month, you know, is better than uh, traditionally without all the horrors of October 7th, you know, would have been about two weeks. So right. time doubled. But you're right, they got exactly to where you would expected, and it's a shameful place. Well, let's end with this, Rich, something we did with uh, Bernard God rest his soul every day leading up the election in 2020, which you did get right. If the election was today or is today, Donald Trump versus Joe Biden, who is the 47th president of the United States? Donald Trump. No doubt. Yeah, uh, well, that's what my gut says. I mean, there's doubt. I think it's about a 50-50 proposition. But I I went back a while ago and, and looked at the 2020 polls. Trump didn't lead in any polls. So, you know, I like to take credit every time you say, oh, I got it right. But I was just following the polls and the polls are right. And all the polls said the same thing. So this is the best polling for Donald Trump ever. You know, he ticked above Hillary maybe by one one point occasionally in 2016. So that's why some people thought it was going to happen or they just had it in their gut. But this is incredibly strong polling for Trump, incredibly weak polling from Biden. And because so much of the Biden weakness, not so, you know, not all of it, but a lot of it has to do with his condition, which is not going to get better. My 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 guide at the moment says if the election were held today, Trump would win. And I kind of think he's going to win in November. But a lot a lot's going to happen. It's going to be an insane year. It is. This is a uh, insane and important year, too, because, as I've said, like I said earlier, the last three or four elections. But I really mean it this time, Rich. This is the biggest election of our lifetime. It's great to have you back. Thank you for doing Tuesday instead of Monday. You, too. Happy New Year. That's my man, Rich Lowry, usually on Monday mornings, but he was kind enough to join us Tuesday to start the year. And what a great 7 o'clock hour, Curtis Sliwa and Rich Lowry, setting up a huge 8 o'clock hour with Lizzie Sabetsky coming up live in studio and America's mayor, my friend Rudy Giuliani. Keep it right here. Hour number three. Show number one. Sitting friends in the morning, 2024. Sure. Na, 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 na.
entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. show, Lewis played Accompany Me, the great song by Bob Seger, and I told you that this song, Man Eater by Hall and & Oates, and Accompany Me by Bob Seger were both in a movie, the one movie I saw over the 12-day vacation that I absolutely loved. I didn't like it. I loved it. And uh, the movie is entitled No Hard Feelings. You got to see this. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence looks great in this movie. I got to say, I'm not a well. I am. I'm a huge Jennifer Lawrence fan. I'll admit it. Fine, I am. She married my friend from college. Is that true? Yeah. Are they still married? Yeah. No kidding. Uh huh. Well, there's pictures of her on the internet that I'm sure your friend from college isn't happy about. But (laughs) she. So she's in this movie, and uh, Matthew Broderick is is in the movie. He's very good. Long story short, she um, this very wealthy couple pays her a lot of money to kind of show the ropes to their 19-year-old son who's about to go to Princeton but hasn't experienced anything. He sits in his room all day. He's on his phone, never had a girl, never had any fun. So they pay her a lot of money to do it, and I guess you can figure out what happens next. No Hard Feelings, Jen Lawrence and Matthew Boderick, great movie. Anyway, that is the voice of uh, who I consider to be the biggest pro-Israel voice in the world. That's a lot because you got Noah out there, Tishby, you've got... A lot of other folks, but I think you, Lizzie Savetsky, I, I have crowned you as uh, our hero. So good morning to you and Happy New Year. Good morning. Happy New Year. And that is a very high compliment. And <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of pressure. I'll thank you. Uh, yeah, no pressure at all. I'll thank you and I'll, uh, I'll accept it with very humbly. You and your husband. Of course, I met your husband, Dr. Ira first, and he's a sweet man, a terrific doctor. And uh, if you want new breasts, call Dr. Iris Sylvester. <laughs> he <laughs> did mine, actually. Did so. he really? He did, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that. Yep. That's funny. <laughs> um, so I want to get to the uh, the Netanyahu stuff right off the bat. Uh, it seems that a lot of Israelis are uh, upset with Bibi. Uh, there have been protests like we're seeing here in the streets of New York, these low lives, these pro-Palestinians. They're having those protests in Israel as well, but they're not pro-Palestinian. They're anti-Netanyahu. Now, let me just tell you, I'm on record saying I love Bibi. There's no question 
that him and his people uh, got job. They did a terrible job. Somehow Hamas and Iran and all these countries figured out a way to do what they did, and that's a blemish on Netanyahu's record. There's no question about it. But I do love the guy, and I'm a little surprised that the people there in Israel who want the hostages out are holding out against him. When, if you're going to be honest about this, that's a Hamas thing. It's not a Netanyahu thing. Any thoughts on the protest from Netanyahu in Israel? I And so even before October 7th, I have always stood firm in that I am an American Jew. I'm not an Israeli, and it's important for me to support Israel unconditionally. And so I... Um, you know, I, I don't have I, I support Israel. I support their leader. And that's where I stand. And I can't pretend to understand how it must feel to be an Israeli right now after going through October 7th. And so I can't put myself in their shoes and understand the pain that they must feel, the betrayal that they must feel. And so I, I really don't have an opinion. That's fair. No, that's, 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 a, that's a very fair answer. Well, talking about the pain. Mia Shem was the first video that we saw in terms of Hamas and the hostages. And she's a beautiful girl beautiful. in her early 20s. Beautiful. And, um, you know, I remember coming on the air, Lizzie's, before you and I became friendly, before your husband was even here. And these guys can, can, can uh, actually attest to this. October 9th, two days after the attacks. And I said, right now, I'm sick about the girls mm-hmm. that are holding hostage. I swear to God, Lizzie. And I said to Lou and Justin that day, I said, they got to be raping these girls 20, 30, 40 times a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will talk about the Times article that all of a sudden came to the conclusion I made months ago, a couple of weeks ago. So Shem is on video. Mm-hmm. Her arm is basically blown off. And she's saying, ah, you know, they're treating me very nicely, but I want to come home. Yeah. And they let her go. And I figured they would never let her go because she's an attractive female. And they pick girls specifically for rape. She had to be one of those. But they let her go. And now she's got kind of conflicting stories last week about what she went through. Tell me about that. So initially, Mia had said that she was treated well um, after, I'm sorry, in her hostage video, she said, obviously, whatever they had told her to say. I'm sure she was reading a script. But immediately upon release, she had said that they treated her well. They gave her food. And, you know, well, she also made the point that she was not being held by the Hamas terrorists, that, that they handed over to some family. family. Like yeah. you saw a mommy, your daddy and yeah. kids. And yeah. they treated her like one of their kids. Well, that's what she had said. And I think she was probably, you know, just coming out of the most horrendous trauma of her life and brainwashed to the degree that she wanted to appease her, her captors so that she would be. able. And she also probably knows that. A lot of the people that she said goodbye to that are st- still currently being held hostage, she doesn't want them to suffer because of what she says. So whatever she had said initially, I don't think that we can take at face value. She then came out and started to tell what it was really like, how they tortured her, how the psychological warfare, how they were giving the kids candy in front of her, and she was sitting and watching the kids while she's starving to death, they treated her like an animal. Mm-hmm. They operated on her, a veterinarian operated on her with no anesthesia. And he said oh. to her, she, she said in this latest video that when she was yelling from pain, that he told her he was going to shove her down in the tunnel if she didn't shut up. Oh, my God. And so Jeez. we were seeing, and she said every single person in Gaza is, and this is a, a very liberal girl who had, you know, she, she works at a tattoo parlor. She's not, um, you know, she's not some right-wing fanatic, like you said. Like me, right. She got <laughs> she, a little wink there from Lizzie. <laughs> yeah. She No, so, she, you know, but for her to come out and say, every person in Gaza is a terrorist, I was, I started to look around, I realized, 
There are children here. There's a mom here. There's women here, and they so, are her, they're complicit in holding me correct. hostage. I've been saying so that for from day one too. For her to have that realization, uh, you know, I'm glad she said it because yeah, she I, can say it. She can speak to it. She yeah, was there. She said that she called it a holocaust, and she said there are no exact quote was there are no innocent people in that are in Gaza. And I've been saying that for months. My own daughter Ava wants to kill me. Because I don't have a lot of sympathy for even women, children, civilians. I don't want to see kids die. I mean, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a good-hearted person, exactly. But the idea they're innocent when they're being taught in the second grade to hate and kill the Jews is just not true. Yeah. They're innocent babies, but they are going to be trained to kill us. And I'm not okay with that. So we got to be careful when we, when we categorize Palestinians as innocent because well, eventually you know, they're not. And all the ones that are held in Israeli prisons that are under the age of 18, that's one of the arguments people will say. They're, they're holding our children captive. It's like, no, those are children who have been, you know, caught trying to stab Jews, trying to kill Jews, because this is the only ideal that they've been taught since they were old enough to even have a thought. So so what exactly, when, when we see these uh, pro-Palestinians, and just so you know, Lizzie, I don't pay attention to them anymore. Right. Uh, maybe if I was trying to fly to Florida yesterday and they were <laughs> holding up Kennedy Airport, it may have annoyed me, to be right. honest. But to me, they become a joke. They're a joke. I, they actually made me nervous way back when. That right. first Bay Ridge parade with 5,000 parade, rally with 5,000 people. I'm like, oh, my God, they're coming to kill me. At this point, I laugh at them. They're a joke. They, they're just they're embarrassing themselves. But, but what exactly are they out there uh, protesting when we just made the comments, which Mia Shem made, which is, are there really any innocent people uh, that are Palestinians? What are they protesting? Well, you know, they're all feel. I think they all are just looking to be a part of something. Um, these are people that are really just lost souls that are, you know, these aren't the majority of protesters aren't Palestinian people. So why are they jumped on board with this cause? It's really a matter of it's the oppressed versus the oppressor and. In their narrative, that the Jews are the and the Israelis are the oppressor, and therefore every act against them is an act of resistance, no matter if it's rape, kidnapping, you know, as as brutal, burning families alive. This is they stand by this, and it's really sick because this is the PR twist that they and you know I credit Iran and uh, and the the Palestinian leadership for doing an amazing job with PR to get all of these useful idiots mm. on board with their cause. It's amazing. You know, you just said I credit them for doing an amazing job. You know, Trump says stuff like that, and they go, oh, my God, he hates the Jews. <laughs> uh, and well, well, he would say something like, well, Putin's not stupid. Oh, my God, he thinks Putin's smart. But he's right. You know, you don't Yeah, run. these people don't get to where they are by but being, being stupid. Exactly. But, being, but being smart and being evil uh, th- that combination is the most lethal of combination. Of course, and sometimes that's hand-in-hand. Hand. Adolf Hitler was a very, very exactly. bright man, but, of course, he was a, a monster. Uh, you know, we, we talked about the sexual uh, depravity going on there, and I have not heard Mia Shem, thank God, come out and talk about any of it. Surprise, but thank God. But the New York Times did run a story last week, and you made a great appearance on Newsmax mm-hmm. talking about it, talking about all the sexual horrors. And, again, uh, part of the reason why I brought up what I said on October the 9th was, I've been talking about that from day one. Why did it take these other news outlets and newspapers? I know you said in your Instagram video, which I watch every day, you're brilliant, better late than never. But no, that's not good enough for me. The New York Times has been an anti-Semitic rag dating all the way back to Hitler and World War II. They should have written this two months ago. Why does it take these people that long to come to something we knew about on October the 8th? Well, you know, I had just actually read something about the New York Times during the Holocaust and their stance and 
So it was, I read that the, the Jewish owners at the time didn't want to print the truth about what was happening during the Holocaust because they thought that it would bring more hate towards Jews in America, which I thought was an interesting perspective and not one that I really get, but okay. And, you know, I think in this situation, their excuse is that they wanted to, to do all this research. And that's what the detractors on my Instagram post were saying that, you know, this was a very well-written article that took time to investigate. And while I respect that, a news outlet has a responsibility to report the news and they can later then go and do their deep investigation. Sure. But for all these months, for, you know, we're talking almost three months. They were completely silent on this issue yeah, yeah. while the U.N. women has been silent on this issue. And it's just, you know, we need they have a responsibility to report the truth. And unfortunately, this story, I believe, didn't fit their narrative until it was too overwhelmingly true for them to ignore it any longer. And then they had to go with it. Um, and, you know, rape should never be used as an act of war. I thought the article was actually incredibly well done. Oh, it's great. I just on October 9th, it would have been great. Yeah, it should have been. It should have been. And we've and we've had this. We've had all of this footage. We've had all of the testimonies for a long time. So there was no reason that it should have taken as long as it did. And again, they could have done an initial report that was more brief and then done the in-depth report. I don't know why they didn't do that. You were just, I believe you were just in Israel again. I know you were actually there on October the 7th, which is really uh, creepy. Yeah. But uh, you were back, I believe, during the break, right? I wasn't. No, I wasn't. I I, I think maybe I just had posted something from there. Um, I've only, I didn't go back yet, but I plan to. I just need to. You know, find time when I'm not fighting anti-Semitism in America. Yeah. I'd love to go back. Well, you take a lot of heat on your Instagram page. I, I uh, commend you for that. Uh, I actually am jealous sometimes because I want them to come at me because <laughs> I would love to, you know, just just talk to some of these animals. Uh, but they don't do that because I guess maybe a little more intimidating. I don't know what the reason is. But uh, you do a tremendous job and you continue to be fearless. I mean, at any point have you become intimidated over the last couple of months? No, I'm not scared at all because I know that I have the truth on my side and I would do anything for my people. And I just think about our soldiers on the front lines of battle and we don't have time for fear. We don't have room for that. So, you know, I do believe I'm a religious person and I believe that, uh, you know, my faith, my amuna, the Hebrew word is going to carry me through this. And, you know, the, at the end of the day, it, it doesn't, you know, Maimonides said that, it doesn't, you know, the truth is the truth, no matter how many people believe it. Even if the whole world doesn't believe the truth, it doesn't make it less true. And even if the whole world does believe it, it doesn't make it any more true. And that's how I feel. You know, the truth is the truth. And I will continue to fight for it and, and uh, expose it. Do you have any confidence, as we wrap this great conversation up, any confidence that uh, some of these remaining hostages, which I believe is still in excess of 100 in number, will be brought home, or do you think at this point they're either dead or will wait past any negotiations? I think that if they were dead, we would know because we've been getting reports about from the IDF about people that have passed in captivity. Well, because they found them on the streets, basically. Yes, but I, I mean, I, hold, I, I do hold out hope because for Hamas, the only real leverage that they have is the hostages. And so I... I Really have to hold on to hope until we have any proof otherwise. To me, in my in my mind and heart, they're alive. Okay, and uh, you know we're not we're not going to give up on that. I said the first time I was on your show that my number one priority is is saving every life possible, every 
every single one of these lives is precious and, you know, is truly the entire world to, to the Jewish nation and to Israel, and we're going to do whatever we can. Talking about these lives being precious, we've lost now, Lizzie, about 170 yeah. of the IDF soldiers. <laughs> and while they're pulling out thousands of troops mm-hmm. from the south by Gaza, uh, partly that is because of the real situation going on in the north. Right. We're now between Hezbollah, uh, you've got the Houthi, you've got Iran, you've got, you got Yemen, all these other countries. Now it looks like the fear of fighting this war on two fronts mm-hmm. is becoming a serious reality. Yes? And the north is much more terrifying in, in a lot of ways because of the the sophistication of the weapons and you know, my friend who flew in and performed at our Hanukkah party, Noam, has been based on the border of Lebanon since this war began. Right. He performed at my son's third birthday that when we were in Israel, you know, uh, just the week before October yeah. 7th. And so I get reports from him, and he's lost several friends um, oh. in this war. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a major fear. Hezbollah is not, you know, and you know, I'm glad that Israel is awake and their military is awake uh, and they're, you know, the – you don't want to mess with the IDF, and I believe that we're going to be able to to do everything we have to do. We also have God on our side. I believe we do too, and uh, Trump too, which will matter in about nine Wait, months. Wait, I wanted to ask you. Do you? Yeah. Th- what? Uh, I had a question for you. I'm going to just ask you on air. Go ahead. Put you on the spot. Yeah. Um, is there any chance that Trump would choose Nikki Haley as his running mate? You guys are friends. We just had that conversation oh, you did? in which Larry. It's so funny you bring that up. Literally 25 minutes ago, when. Uh, for the history, for folks that don't know, she walked out of the White House mm-hmm. uh, when Trump needed her most. She walked out, basically stabbed him in the back, and she has spent the majority of her campaign climbing to number two now ahead of DeSantis behind Trump, really bashing Donald Trump. So that question on the surface seems ridiculous, but yet, yet, it is becoming a reality. Yeah. More and more people are reporting that Trump and Haley may be a real deal. Now, look, he wants to win. Yeah. He's up big in the polls right now, and there is no question of all the other Republican candidates, especially suburban housewives. <laughs> Nikki Haley gives him his best chance. I love Nikki Haley. I'm not. A oh, suburb- you do. I'm a New York City housewife, but no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Actually, that word housewife is a little bit too yeah. Don't triggering use that. Right don't use that. Right. But, yeah, right. but I. You and Siggy Flicker. <laughs> she hates that word. Yeah, but no. I, I happen to love Nikki Haley. I find her to be a voice of reason. I love her st- strong stance on Israel and. You know, she was the first candidate to come out and say that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. Um, which, you know, for me, that's what I want to hear. Yeah, I'm, I'm a yeah. single-issue voter at this point, and I, Israel. She, yeah, and I, I trust her, and I, I, I also find her stance on uh, abortion to be extremely reasonable. You know, I, from even my social issues, I like her. Yeah. So, so you yeah. want to see a Trump Haley ticket? I wouldn't listen. I, I don't know. I, listen, I've never you know, come out and been a Trump supporter. Right. Uh, but I but would, if, but Haley, real easy, if Haley right? was on the ticket, <laughs> yeah. it would it would entice me. Okay, there you go. Well, yeah. let's get it done then. Donald, I hope you're listening. Uh, it's great to see you. <laughs> Happy New Year. And I uh, look forward to many great conversations in 2024 and hopefully peace uh, at some point. We're nowhere near it, but peace at some point uh, in Israel and around the world. And peace the best God. to you and Dr. Ira and all your beautiful kids. And my friend Juliet, oh, is she yeah. still like that anymore? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's no competition. I mean, 
<laughs> yeah, it's actually very creepy, but that's fine. Daughters and their dads, I guess. I don't know. I yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> no, she's very cute. You're all great. Oh, thank, thank you. you. We Good love to you, see Sid. Thank you. We you love so you much. too. That's uh, the great Lizzie Savetsky. Make sure you follow her right now. Trust me, it's the best Instagram follow if you care about Israel and the uh, Israel Hamas war. Nobody better than at Lizzie. Savetsky. Uh, we're going to take a uh, short break. Still to come, Joseph Takapina, former NCAA and NFL big-time quarterback Bernie Kosar, and America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani. And don't forget, tomorrow, Sage Steele and Mark Levin, sitting friends in the morning, rolls out. Is Sid and friends in the morning. 77 WABC. stay at the YMCA unless you're the Rosenbergs because uh, we gone, to quote the great Hawk Harrelson, we gone. Because you guys know, of course, how seriously I take my working out, and Danielle as well. Danielle more than me. She runs 5 o'clock in the morning, and then she lifts weights every day. But I got to get to the gym at least five days a week. And uh, since we moved to Rockaway, we joined the YMCA. Hey, now. And it's a good place. They got great workers there, Sebastian, D. I mean, they're lovely people. The folks who work out there are great. But I remember walking in, and this is when my wife wasn't, uh, well, the way she is now, <laughs> a little more tolerant and uh, a little more to the left. I'm going to be honest. She make it angry. It's the truth. She is becoming more like me every day. She probably hates that I'm saying that, but it's true because she is a common sense good person. And she's starting to see the Democrat Party for what they are, garbage. But the first thing I saw when I walked into the YMCA in Rockaway was a big, big, big banner over the pool. And it read, Black Lives Matter. Now, you got to understand, and you know this, Lewis, you smiled, you've seen it. You live right there three blocks away. Me and Bernie used to kill Black Lives Matter before they became nicknamed Big Love Mansions and all that nonsense We knew what they were. We knew they were a terrorist Marxist organization. You know how we knew? Not based on the money they stole. But the fact was, little kids in Chicago have been being executed. Little black kids in Chicago die in numbers you couldn't believe. And they didn't care. Al Sharpton doesn't care. They don't care. They used the George Floyd death the murder, and I call it murder. I'm glad that cop is in prison. The murder of a lowlife, a scumbag 
career criminal lowlife. They used that as an excuse to bilk millions out of people. If they cared about black lives, they would have started that chapter in Chicago 10 years ago. So we knew, me and Bernie, years ago they were full of it, but now everyone knows. And then October 7th happens, and they're on the wrong side. They're on the wrong side, Black Lives Matter. They are maybe the most despicable organization in the history of this country. And I don't care if you're black. I've got a million black friends. They don't like Black Lives Matter. They don't like Al Sharpton. How many black people will tell you, he is not my voice. He ain't my voice. The cowards, oh, yeah, he, yeah, he's, he's great. The people with pride who care, good people, don't consider Al Sharpton the voice of the black community, and are not okay with Black Lives Matter. Garbage. They're a bunch of thieves. So finally, after October 7th, my wife is starting to see, oh, yeah, they were on the wrong side. So I give her credit there, Dale. She woke up over vacation. She said, I've had enough. I said, what? Now what? I've had enough. There's another gym right by our house called Burn Fitness. The guy who owns the place, Sean Cerrone, is a terrific guy, real American. There's American flags all over the damn place. They sell merchandise. Everything they sell, Burn Fitness, has an American flag on it. Everything. And you know what? I'd rather give my money to them. And I did. I, I gave them the money on the same day I was still a member of, of um, the YMCA. But I've had enough. Danielle's had enough. Every YMCA in the city has a big, big BLM banner. Every one of them. When I had to live in the city for six months, I used to take Gabe to play basketball down on uh, 14th Street in Union Square, that YMCA. Big Black Lives Matter banner. Big gay pride manner of banner. Black people, gay people, yeah, 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 yeah. Cops, Jews, no thanks. Well, then you don't deserve me, my wife, or my family. So we left, and we're done with them. So burn fitness. Burn, baby, burn. I'm going to get my sweat at a gym that cares about everybody, not just a select few. I'm done. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Great song, half a mile away, Billy Joel, 52nd Street. Billy's saying in today's New York Post, I ain't leaving New York, folks. I still have a New York state of mind. I'm not moving to Miami just yet or Palm Beach, whatever. You know, one quick note, Rudy's about to join me in about three or four minutes, but this uh, ridiculous uh, Roger Stone best-dressed list, I had no idea Roger Stone was the new Joan Rivers. And I love Roger, don't get me wrong, I love him. He's a great guy, he's a Trump guy. He was treated about uh, as unfairly as anybody. They came to his house with, like, SWAT teams. <laughs> Poor guy in his gym shorts in Fort Lauderdale. You would have thought he was Pablo Escobar. 
he was swatted like Joe Tacopina was and Marjorie Taylor Green. Tacopina would join me at 915. But what made Roger Stone Joseph Abud, I don't know. So he has this ridiculous list out of the best dressed. Congratulations to Johnny Tobacco. He made number eight, Greg Kelly number seven. But it's like the Baseball Hall of Fame. As long as Pete Rose is not in the Hall of Fame, to me the Hall of Fame doesn't exist. It's nonsense. I don't care if he bet against the Reds every day. He's got over 4,000 hits. Pete Rose, not in the Hall of Fame. Standing with this list. If I'm not on the list, let alone number one, what a stupid list. Nobody dresses better than me. Everybody knows that. Even Trump knows that. Yeah. So maybe Roger Stone referred to me as Sidney Rosenstein or Steen or Lifschultz or something. <laughs> maybe somebody should send Roger a note. He should pay bigger attention. Maybe look at my Instagram account every now and then. Well, anyway... <laughs> Not, not, not that you're taking it personally. Oh, I don't or, care. Or, you know, no, yeah, I don't care, but it's, it's silly. Roger Stone, best dress list? Really? You get him on this week, see if he can explain himself. Put him on. Put that son of a bitch on. <laughs> okay. Uh, take a break. We've got to talk to Rudy coming up next. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Good song. Tina Turner, Simply the Best. This goes for Rudy. Simply the best mayor we've ever had in this city, in any city across our great country. And one of the finest men I've ever met. You wouldn't know it from the media these days. They beat this guy to a pulp, this poor guy. Was he on Roger Stone's list of uh, best? <laughs> Roger Stone. Uh, here he is. He does a great job. Three o'clock every weekday afternoon on this station. <laughs> I mean, when did Roger Stone get a job at the the E Channel? All of a sudden, well, he's on the red carpet. <laughs> you better watch out, though. You may get a subpoena from Jack Smith to make a case on Roger Stone over this. Like a, this could be a fraud case. You're right. You know, right. a couple of, a couple of people come along like you, and a couple of other well dressed people not on there. Yeah. I just, ever think Roger might have got a little something for, for the people he put on? Hey, it wouldn't Even su- like a dinner. Or something. It wouldn't surprise me, Rudy Giuliani. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, look, it'll be a Rico case. It'll be a Rico case. <laughs> you know, it's very funny what you're saying. Come and, he'll come with tanks. He'll it, come to. He'll come to his place in. He'll come to his place in, in uh, Florida with tanks. Right. Machine guns. The whole thing. You know, it, what you're saying is actually funny, but on a serious note, that's how I jaded know. that's how jaded we become, especially guys like you and Trump and even Roger, because what you've gone through is absolutely mind-boggling. Oh, yeah. I mean, I got away with the stormtroopers. I got the FBI raid. <laughs> But I guess they figured I wasn't going to put up a, you know, a, a fight to the death. Uh, but, you know, Roger Stone, you know, you, you've seen Papadopoulos, right? And, yeah. and Carter Page. They look like really like uh, they're going to shoot you or they had the same thing, yeah. right? Yeah. They, they brought the military. Uh, if they had General Patton around, they'd have brought him. They would have. You're right. And, you know, Joe Tacopina is going to join me, Rudy, in about 20 minutes. And Tacopina, of course, is 
uh, not on one but two of Trump's cases. He's a wonderful attorney like you are. And he just yep. went through this weekend. He wasn't home, but his daughter Morgan, his daughter Olivia, and his uh, new grandson Theo were home in Connecticut when eight cops and SWAT guys and guns showed up at his house. The same thing they've done to Marjorie Taylor Greene now nine times, eight or nine times, this new SWAT thing. Now, I know they showed up at Soros' house, but here's what I, my opinion is. I believe Soros set himself up that he's behind all this, but he set himself up to make it look like absolutely. this was bipartisan. What do absolutely. you think? Absolutely. They wouldn't touch. Absolutely. They wouldn't touch Soros in a million years. Uh, he's the, he's the uh, money bag for everybody, for, for Hillary, for, for Biden, for Black Lives Matter, for oh, you go on and on. For all these crazy people out on the street. Uh, run, running around uh, supporting a terrorist organization, they wouldn't have touched Soros. But, I mean, it is amazing. Uh, but I didn't hear about this with Joe. What happened with Joe? Yeah, they actually came to his house on Saturday night like they've done to uh, a ton of other people. You know, you've seen the list of people. They call it swatting. Yeah. And, and uh, they, they were called to his house. Eight cops, SWAT guys, the whole thing. He wasn't home, but his daughters were, and they were scared to death. Scared to death. Of course. Of course. Yeah, Joe Tacopino is a really dangerous guy. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. <laughs> I, I didn't do this with the mafia. <laughs> I didn't send soldiers to arrest the mafia. I said, and you took down five. You took down all five in one day. You took down all five bosses in one day and came with a lot less firepower than they're doing right now. But I do want to go back to something you said in the paper a couple of days ago uh, after the Georgia decision and – and they're trying to kill you. I know, Rudy, and I'm sorry. You know how much I love you, but you That's did. Okay. You did what? say you regret that you didn't take your uh, your pension from the city. Is that I right? Didn't, I didn't say it. <laughs> you didn't say that. You did not I say never, that. No, I didn't say that. Here, here here's what happened. Uh, when I left a city government, I was told, and I still believe this is true. I'm not entitled to a pension because I only had eight years of government service. I only had eight. You have to have ten. Now, I believe that because John Lindsay wasn't entitled to a pension. He had only eight years of government service. And Peter Malone and I found out about that. We created a job for John at the U.N. He had, a, he had two years uh, working for us as a liaison at the U.N., and then he got a pension. Now, for some strange reason, I am entitled to health benefits. And I did apply for that, and I do get that. I hadn't turned it down. Um, I didn't, I didn't know I, I, not, not only did I know I had it, I was told that because I only had eight years, not 10, I wasn't able to get a pension. I didn't have, I didn't have any other kind of city service. A lot of the other mayors get a pension because let's, let's say, uh, Dinkins, Dinkins had been working for the city for, you know, 15, 20 years right? or a beam. It was just a one-term mayor, but he got a pension. He worked for the city for 20, for 20 years. But John Lindsay didn't get a pension, you know, nor did I. And I never said that. I don't know who is uh, saying that, but wow. it, they do these things. I mean, it's like this woman Cassidy shows up all the time. She says, I touched her in the middle of 100 people by reaching down to a skirt and going up her leg oh, come on. in front of people. I'd have come to kneel on. down on the ground like Sir Walter Raleigh. And put my hands up for a dress in front of a hundred people uh, outside of the, uh, uh, the the J6 speech. Oh, and Maria was with me, Doctor Maria. 
Yeah, I mean, that's about as ridiculous. It, it reminds me, to be honest, it reminds me of this crazy lady that claims that Donald Trump had sex with her at a crowded Bergdorf Goodman during the holiday season. I mean, it's both of those oh, things. Yeah. I mean, yeah, ridiculous. Right. You're gonna go. You're gonna go. You're gonna go have sex with somebody in the Bergdorf Goodman. <laughs> you're the most famous guy in New York. And you're gonna go to Bergdorf Goodman and and, and make out with some old lady in, in a uh, I mean, in a uh, in a dressing room. Yeah. You know how big those dressing rooms no, are. I know. I mean, give me a break. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so, do you feel, Rudy, with the new year coming up in 2024, that uh, they may lay off a little bit, or is it more likely because Trump is running and the election is now just a couple of months away? that there may be some more pain for you this year? It's all a question of what they think they can do. You know, uh, can they get something they can twist or they get a good liar who wants to take a shot at you? Uh, I mean, they, let's take a guy like Michael Cohen. He could come up with something and they might go with it. Although if he hasn't worn himself out now, particularly with the latest citing cases that didn't exist, but he didn't know, you know, you're supposed to read the cases. The idea is not to cite them right. so they look nice on the page, Michael. The idea of citing them is because they contain material that supports you're supposed to read them. But it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. They're going to build a case on this guy. He has told lies like he appeared before the J6 committee or the other committee, the first one, and he said, I never asked for a job in the administration, ever. I wouldn't. That's a lie. Nobody there liked me. Yeah. You know what I? You know what I did to him the next day? I, I heard it. I knew he did because he asked me to get him a job in the administration. <laughs> yeah. I dug out. I dug out a video of him with Chris Cuomo two days after the election, saying he wanted to be chief of staff. Oh my God! Ay, ay, ay. And oh. I played both of them right oh. next to each other, oh. and they never prosecuted him for perjury. Of course they not. never prosecuted him for perjury. No, he's a hero. Pro- prosecute him. He hates Trump. He's a hero. So I do want to move this on the, in the final two or three minutes to the city. Eric Adams just finished up year two. Uh, and again, you know my relationship. I like him. I think he, he's been a, a huge disappointment as a mayor. I think year two, he, he called it his Aaron Judge year. It was more like a Mickey Clutch year. It was awful. I mean, it doesn't get much worse. You know? um, so, And he's going to find a way, of course, to, uh, to tell us it was a great year. It was a horrible year. Uh, year three better be a heck of a lot better. But that's my opinion. You, as the greatest mayor ever, wrote your opinion of Eric Adams' year two, which just finished. Uh, terrible, man. Terrible. Created created one of the worst crises in the history of the city. Uh, I can't think of one that was created by a mayor that is as bad as that. No, 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 no. He would stop you right now. He would say, hey, Rudy, give me a break. I didn't create it. The federal government, a.k.a. Biden, created it. That's what he would say. Yeah, but he'd be wrong because he spent a year inviting them here. Right. Including, including uh, telling them that uh, this city would be better than other cities, and offering them health insurance when uh, uh, nobody else was offering them health insurance, and having a city council that voted and allowed non-citizens to vote, and basically promising them that all of them would have a road to citizenship. So if you go, to, if you go to the migrants and you go ask them, and a lot of reporters have done that, well, they're making the big trek up here. The big place on their mind is, is New York. They they believe, rightly or wrongly, because of, of him, of his big mouth, you get more here. It is true. He's not 
responsible for the initial problem, the, the three million that are here. But he's responsible for our city getting hit worse than any other city. We never were before, right? We were never hit before nope. like this. Nope. And if you think if you think it's Abbott who does it, Texas has contributed about ten percent of the people. Most of them are coming here because they asked to come here. He did it. He he, he did a lot more damage to New York City than than uh, than the governor of Texas did. Agreed. Those are those are those those people are his people. It's also the reason why he gets no sympathy in inside baseball. So you know Biden people I have to be saying I know I would if they were the Trump people in Washington. I was in the White House. Hey, this guy this guy better be a man and have to handle it himself. Maybe we created the problem for other people, but man oh man, he was making political hay on how he was going to be the best the best sanctuary city so he could get the Hispanic vote. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't, I don't, he doesn't get much sympathy on that because he did create it. I agree. On other things, I, on, on other things, I, on other things, I give him credit for very often having the right idea. And, uh, but then he backs off it. He gets nervous. He's, he's a political weakling. He, ha- he cannot stand up to the Democrat Party. Even the way he's criticized Biden will have no political effect. Uh, he, what he's got to do is threaten him like Koch did uh, with Carter. Uh, I'll, I'll support uh, Ronald Reagan. Right. right. I'll support Donald Trump. How should I try me supporting Donald Trump? Well, he, by the way, he should have done the same thing. With, he should have done the same thing with Hochul when he was yelling and bitching about. Oh, I, about I used the, to say it then. You remember? Right. right bail I used reform. To say then go to Hochul and tell her. I'm on the other team, baby. I mean, I, I, I represent the city, not this decrepit Democratic Party. Right. Jesus, it's run by a massive crook. Why would I want to do much for the Democratic Party? Uh, if, if, when, you, when you have a problem between your public office and your political party, in my view, you're a failed public official. There you have it. Rudy, I got to tell you, one of the best decisions I made in 2023, thank you for you, was uh, you coming on every week, which, of course, you said yes to, which I can't thank you enough. Happy New Year. All the best. Here's to a great 2024. Thank you, buddy. You know, I love you. I tell you, if if Roger, if Roger, if Roger uh, gets prosecuted by Smith for that, I know you'll be a character witness, (laughs) even though even though he screwed you, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Tell Roger I said hello, Rudy. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. You're You're the best. Thank you. There he is, folks. Three o'clock every weekday afternoon. He's funny, too. He's brilliant and he's funny. The greatest mayor in the history of this city and a great American, my friend Rudy Giuliani. Joe Tacopino, Bernie Kosar, fourth and final hour coming up. Sid and friends in the morning. What'd you say? Be just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Boy. Boy. There's nothing in front of me. 
Can't see nothing coming up behind. Make my way through this darkness. I can't feel nothing but this chain that binds me. Lost track of how far I've gone. How far I've gone, how high I've climbed. On my back's a 60-pound stone. On the shoulder, half mile line. Come on up for the rising. Come on up with your hands in mine. Come on up for the rising. Come on up for the rising tonight. Left the house this morning. The rising, that's for you, flipping. You like that? <laughs> yeah. All right, Joe Tacopina. So you've been seeing these stories about all these people that are being swatted. Marjorie Taylor Greene, it's happened to her eight times. Eight times. Mostly Republicans, a few Democrats thrown in there. And again, I'll maintain what I said earlier. I think George Soros uh, has set all this up and set himself up to make it look like, oh, this is bipartisan. I don't believe it's bipartisan. So one of the folks... But got swatted here, and this is when police and FBI and all these uh, law enforcement people show up at your home for no reason unannounced and scare the living daylights out of your loved ones was Joe Tacopina. Yes, the world's best defense attorney. Not one but two Donald Trump cases, and my best buddy for the better part of 47 years, somehow Joe Tacopina is now public enemy number one. (laughs) How did that happen, Joseph? Happy New Year, Sid. Um, it, it was, it was, you know, listen, my knees don't buckle really much for anything. This was different. Um, it happened with a phone call from the PD on my cell phone, basically saying we have a SWAT team out at your house. I hadn't heard about this swatting thing. So I just heard I have a SWAT team at your house. We had a call. Wouldn't go into details. He said, are you there? I said, I'll be there in one minute. I, I drove about 120 miles an hour through Westport. To get to the house, I drove into the driveway, and, and outside the driveway were eight police cars, um, which you can imagine. You know, I have kids in the house, and, and the baby's there, and, and you know, it was just a, something that, that, that's hard to really wrap your hands around that quickly and, and, and really understand what was going on. So I, I get down the driveway, and I'm flying down the driveway, and the next thing I see is two red lasers attached to assault rifles pointed at my forehead, Sid. And oh my I, I, God! Put a mind, put a mind. And, and listen, the cops did the right thing. I mean, they didn't know who I was. They, they. So I finally had an interaction with them, and they told me that they received a call that from someone who said, "I'm inside the house. I killed somebody. Oh, come I'm on. about to kill myself." Come okay. on! So I swear, said it was it was it, whoever is is ill and sick enough to do this needs to be. Needs to be put out. So they they, out. they said I mean, that you you Joseph Tacopina you killed someone and you're no, about no, to no 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 they didn't say me when I okay. got there and they put their lasers out of my head right and, and they explained who I was um I they told me what the call was and you know at that time yeah. you know they they had started making contact there were there were eight cops around the perimeter with dogs Jesus. and stuff I mean so I ran in the house you know did a roll call so to speak and everyone was there. I checked every single room. The cops were in there as well. And clearly at this point, it, it was obvious that it was a prank. And one of the officers had said, look, this may be one of these pranks that we're getting a lot of. 
Um, and but it was it was say, I, yeah, never experienced anything like that. And I'm sure, I'm sure Morgan and Olivia they had to be scared. I mean, Theo's still a baby, oh but they're God. shaking, shaking. I mean, they were in the house alone. So of course they were shaking, and it was Jesus. it was a horrible, horrible thing. Now let's be honest. You know, and, but when the cop first approached you, and you said to him, "My name is Joseph Takapina," did he or did he not say, "I love listening to you on the Sid Rosenberg show"? After he told me about the call about a, a murder in the house, he then said that it was amazing. Well, he may have said that first, and then told me about the murder. But I don't remember it was one or the other. But he did. Actually, what he did say, what he did say was, is because of the profile, you know, high profile. They're, they're, this is happening to people of that nature. So I'm sure it was the, the show. Well, you know what's for, funny for about that is, that, right? When you first sent me the text message. You know, uh, it seemed like they were going after they were going after GOP people again. Marjorie Taylor Greene, eight times yeah. a host yeah. of others. But whoever's behind right. this, and again, I still believe it's Soros. But whatever Democrat mind is behind this, now they're showing up at Democrat houses to make it look like it's bipartisan. Yeah, a few, a few, a few, right? Just right. A few. I mean, ninety-nine percent of this is going to, to to Republicans and GOP people. As a matter of fact, one of the police officers when I was. Again, I didn't hear. I hadn't heard this was a, a, a thing that was happening. One of the police officers opined that it was because I represented President Trump. Trump right. That this was probably happening. And I understood one thing I have to do though. I and I don't take your air to, to to thank others, but the Westport Police Department and and the the chief Fody Koskinas is 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 an amazing guy. But they they were unbelievable. This is Westport, Connecticut. It's not exactly the Bronx where this happens a lot. But they were beyond professional and ready to roll. I mean. I, I really felt that we were good. I mean, once, once you know, I didn't get shot in the head, <laughs> I realized we were in good hands here. And, and wow. these, they, they were un, um, unbelievable. I mean, so, you, so, listen, you, you're a very – the Westport PD. Right, you're a very tough guy. I mean, you've, you're, you're the all-time leader, single season to this day, NCAA penalty minutes in hockey. Uh, you sat there with uh, John Gotti like I would sit with Lou Ruffino. Uh, you've been around some of the most uh, ruthless. Little, little scary, huh? <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. But but you would admit that that night again, while you were singled out, I don't know, but again, because you're Trump's attorney, but you would admit that night that was as scared as you've ever been in your whole life. Without without question, wow. without question, because of the the fact that eight cop cars coming into a scene in in my house where I knew there were children, and and we didn't know what was going on, and and all of a sudden. I have two of those red little laser dots, like, piercing my window in my car into my head, oh my God. thinking, like, what the heck? I re- really was completely confused. I didn't know if they were real cops or not cops. I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't really process it all quickly enough. And then to hear what the phone call was about, that sent a shiver through mm. my spine that I've never had before. I mean, you know, we've all gone through tough things in life, and that's yeah. part of life, right? Yeah. The tough times don't last, tough people do. But this was different. This was a different level of horrific experience that, that I just never, obviously, no one should have to experience that. But it's really, whoever did this really is, you know, aside from a low-level coward, um, really is, is a sociopathic animal. You know, before, uh, you're going to come back on Friday, we'll talk about uh, yeah. the yeah, lawsuits yeah. and Trump. But, you know, I'm going to admit something to you. Uh, I've been, as you know, Joseph, and you've commended me on this, I've been about a, a louder voices can be on the whole Israel situation. I've, I've uh, attacked every school. Thank you. But I'm going to admit this to you. If Harvard called me today and said, listen, Sid, you know, we, we've uh, scoured the country, we've looked around the country, and we've got a lot of kids who want to go into broadcasting, and we really feel like at this point uh, you're the best, and we would like it for you to come here. 
Now, I destroyed Claudine Gay for three weeks, and I still will. I think she's a despicable person. And I've destroyed Harvard and MIT and Penn and the rest of them. But I'm admitting to you right now that they called me and said, come to a class here. I'd be lying if I said at the very least I wouldn't consider it if not doing it. And you do it. And you're there today. Right. You're there today. Harlem Law School. Law School. That is a that is a huge, huge honor. A huge honor. But is there a part of you that feels like you need to shower after you leave? <laughs> you know, I'm not dealing with Claudine Gay, certainly, and, and any of those people. I'm here. I, 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 I'm, I'm laser focused on the task at hand. I have law students who want to become good trial lawyers, and, and they want to learn. And these, my experience, I've been doing this for five years now, my experience with these students is that they're, they're really good, and they're really smart, and they really care. I've never once, now we'll see what happens this week, but I've never once seen politics in that, in that setting. Not once. Um, look, I hope to God nothing like that happens. You and I had this discussion. Anyone who, who takes a, a stance in support of terrorism would never get a look in my world, would never get a look. Right. Um, and, and, you know, but that doesn't, I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush. I hate stereotypical sort of analysis on anyone. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, I don't want to say that the whole school is, is bad and all the students here support terror and whatnot. That's not the case, obviously. So, you know, I, I, I look, it, it's Harvard. Um, it's still the greatest institution from a from a academic standpoint in yep. the world, yep. and and look, we'll see what happens. I, I'll, I'll believe me. You'll hear it on Friday if I see anything like that because I I personally will talk. I, I'd rather I would leave before subjecting myself. Well, let me ask you this: How far like I've been? We we took Ava. Ava actually did one summer at uh, Babson. She was still in high school, which was amazing in Boston, and we went to visit Harvard. So I've been on that campus in Cambridge. How far is the law school from the actual undergrad uh, buildings? No, it's it's down the block. It's down the block, a block or two away. Yeah, yeah, it's right it. there. Okay. So, you know, I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm staying in Cambridge. So, no, it's, listen, uh, listen. It's like, like I said, Joseph, if they called me today, I'd probably be there tomorrow. I got to be honest. So, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not persecuting you now by any stretch, but I, I would, no, have, I I'd be thinking about it like, oh my God. And again, the law school is different than the undergrads, where that's where most of these, all these rallies are taking place. At any rate. Uh, I'm glad you and your family are okay. You know how much I love you. You're great on this show. And we'll do it again on Friday. Enjoy your day today. Great. Say hey to Bernie Kosar, by the way. And by <laughs> the way, the bowl games are horrible. Folks. Well, I said it earlier. They need to cancel. Except the playoff games because their second teams now are playing. That's correct. But those games last night were unbelievable. They really were. And and Washington with this kid Penix, that has to be the next Raiders quarterback. Ask Bernie Kosar about Penix. That kid's unbelievable. No, he, he, I just hope, yep. hope they beat Michigan because I can't stand Michigan. Yeah, I, I know, I know. You, yeah. you know. The thing he did with my son when he was recruiting him, he's just he's yeah. not an honorable guy. Yeah. Not an honorable guy. Okay, I don't, I don't disagree with you. So that sets up a great matchup next week with Washington and Michigan. Joseph Takapina, I love you. I'll send your regards to Bernie. We'll talk again on Friday. Thank you so much. Okay, brother. Great Bye-bye. appearance. Good luck today. Joe Takapina right here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. You heard him. We'll uh, take a short break. When we get back, he won the championship at Miami, 1983. The quarterback for the Hurricanes under Howard Schnellenberger beat Nebraska. He went on to have an amazing career with the Cleveland Browns. Backed up Dan Marino with the Dolphins and won a Super Bowl ring backing up Troy Aikman in Dallas. Now he's saving people all over the country who have survived serious brain injuries. He's my man, Bernie Kosar. He'll join us coming up.
is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Bernie Kozar is uh, coming up next. I know he does some work in Iowa. The caucus, of course, coming up. I know he's a Trump guy. He may not say it on the air because he's got fans and people who love him that are both Democrats and Republicans, but I'm bad like that. I out everybody, so. <laughs> I blame Lewis uh, for all that. I, I do. I, I blame Lou because, um, well, I blame him. He says nothing about it. So. It's just easy. Lou, did you uh, cry last week on December 27th, the anniversary of the I-Man's death? Uh, no, I didn't I even realize it. I was probably sleeping. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I'd say that's a fair bet. That you I don't was. even realize that the day the guy died, you worked with him for 30 years. Mm, yeah, I thought. I think the show had died a couple of years before <laughs> Oh, there's that. no doubt about that. Okay, well, I just want to clarify that. I mean, that man came to work with, with, a, with a gun and a mask every day. Right. He, oh, very good. Jesse James. Good. I hope when uh, the cops point a laser at my head <laughs> yeah. and I say that, oh, wait a second, I work uh, with Sid Rosenberg, don't you recognize, from Sid and Friends, mm-hmm. that they get rid of the gun as fast as they did it for, well, for Joe. It depends. So. If, it's was... a re- if it's a Republican cop, you skate. Uh, maybe. And they apologize. If it's a Democrat cop, you dead. Yeah, well, that was. it seems like that was what you were concerned about with. Okay, Joe, I just want to clarify this. While they had the guns pointed in your head, did one of them recognize you from from being on my show? You know, you know what's crazy about all these stories? I swear to God. So Danielle tells me about this story, and then and then literally the next day, Takapina texts me. It was, it was crazy. And the first thing I think of, I know this is completely out of character, is <laughs> no, shut up, don't, Lou. Don't, Be quiet. Well, well, oh, I don't have to say anything. The first you thing I think of up. is, why not me? Why, <laughs> why isn't anybody targeting me? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so that they can all... You right, can be not that paper. I want somebody pointing a gun at my head or Gabe or Daniela Avo or, or anything like that, but... But that, I'm such a sick bastard. It's the first thing I think of. It's amazing that you're at that point where, okay, so you're telling me that they won't shoot me, but they'll recognize me finally, <laughs> and then all this PR will come. Uh, yeah, I can deal with that. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, how much money to go in the polar bear uh, thing? And you knew exactly <laughs> what I was going to say, didn't you? Admit it, though. Well, you prefaced it I by know, saying, I, know. I can't believe I'm at this point right <laughs> now. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. I have a lot to cover here. I have about 10 minutes. I have a lot to cover with the great Bernie Kosar, who was my quarterback when I arrived on the campus of the University of Miami in Coral Gables back in 84. He had just beaten Nebraska to won the NCAA championship. That was a great Nebraska team that Tom Osborne had. You know, of course, he had um, Turner Gill and Mike Rogier and Irving Fryer, but Bernie Kosar and the Hurricanes won. They went on to become a tremendous NFL quarterback. He should have beaten Elway every time. But Schottenheimer, Ernest Beiner, they all screwed up. He was a tremendous quarterback for the Browns. Then he backed up Marino, drew up that great play. Marino to Ingram, touchdown to beat the Jets. Won a Super Bowl ring, backing up Troy and Dallas. And now he's doing his best work in his life. People with brain injuries now have a chance because of what Bernie has gone through. 
All in all, he's a terrific guy, one of my best friends. And the Browns, back in the playoffs, 11-5 and five, since Baker Mayfield in 2020, with a with a variety of quarterbacks this year. Here he is, the great Bernie Kosar. Good morning, Bernie. Hey, good morning, Sid. The happiest, healthiest 2024 lies in front of all of us. To yourself, Gabe, Ava, and Danielle. Oh, good morning, brother. Thank you. Good morning to you and your beautiful family, too. You sound great. You look great. I follow you closely on Instagram. I watch you on television. And, you know, I, I know you're up in my uh, neck of the woods here for that ridiculous. Uh, they play a football game at Yankee Stadium, which makes no sense, but it is what it is, a pinstripe bowl. Rutgers against uh, your alma mater. You were here for that. What would you think of uh, of my Bronx here in New York? <laughs> well, between between the Canes, between the Canes and Yankee Stadium in the Pinstripe Bowl and Coach Ciano and Rutgers, that was uh, the early part of the day. Then the entree was the Browns-Jets Thursday night football in Cleveland as our, our Cleveland Browns clinched a, uh, a playoff berth this year. That was a big deal, I know that, but I just wanted to get your feeling. As a guy that's from Ohio and lived uh, for a while, maybe still does, in very fancy western Florida, uh, you were you at all nervous driving around the Bronx? <laughs> well, you know, you know, seriously, in New York, you really be commended for the New Year's Eve celebration, the ball drop. I mean, we have so much extremism in society right now. There is so much apprehensive and slash rumors of, security breaches and, and being nervous, just like you're talking about, not feeling secure in our own country, and to be able to walk around the city and to be comfortable and to see the beauty of the Big Apple and yeah. see the beauty of America. I yeah. was absolutely, I'm not saying this to sure. be, yeah. be gratuitous. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean you, you, but you, you sound like a guy right now that did suffer a brain injury. You okay? Yeah. <laughs> I've, had quite, I've had quite a few. <laughs> No, you're right. You're right. We, 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 you know, we go through all these, um, these huge events in New York, whether it's the U.S. Open, the marathon, the ball drop. And you're right. People, uh, are nervous and the news starts off every night that night with, you know, we've got a lot more cops out there and a lot more security. They try to scare you, but, uh, New Yorkers and the tourists, they do go about their business and, uh, for the most part, have a great time. I want to get to college football. Now, uh, you won a championship with Miami way back when. We are set for a big game next Monday night. Michigan taking on Washington. Both of their games were amazing games. Michigan beating Alabama in overtime. Washington getting past Texas. Great games. But for the most part, Bernie Coastal, the bowl games are a disaster. Outside the degenerates, the gamblers, nobody cares. Not the students, not the players, not the coaches. What Florida State did was embarrassing, losing by 60, keeping 30 guys out of that game. And I watched a bunch of bowl games, and they were all terrible. College football needs to consider having a 16 to 20 team playoff and getting rid of the bowl games. That's my opinion. Your thoughts. Unfortunately, Sid, I'm not trying to be agreeable or amenable on, on your show this morning, you're right on point. Up until yesterday's games, um, the, the, yesterday's games were phenomenal. The heart and soul of all four teams to be that uh, intense out there was, was fun to watch. But leading up to that, I 100% concur with you. The NILs, the, the business of it, and then we want to see a playoff. It's coming, and it's absolutely the time is now for this. You know, it was uh, Kirk Herbstreet. I know you know Kirk. He's another Ohio guy, played his collegiate football 
uh, for the Buckeyes, and he made the point yesterday, which pissed off Pat McAfee, who, of course, is a mouthpiece for ESPN. They've got all those games, so he'd never badmouth the bowl games. Kirk didn't care. He said, get rid of the bowl games. He said, the bowl games are like the NITs. He's like, the playoffs, they're like the NCAAs. You know, every team. No one has any idea who's playing in the NITs. I thought that was a great college basketball analogy. You? It's it's very it's a very good analogy, and unfortunately, I that coupled with what you said about it, you said it in jest, but a lot of the games, the ball games, are, are really just a good reason to be able to gamble and make bets because because the the intensity of of the game really isn't there, and the competitiveness of it. It's, it's actually as a as a purist who loves football, it's incredibly disappointing and discouraging. To, to really waste so much time yeah. seeing those that many games. I'm glad you said that because as a little kid, there weren't 63 games or 66 games like there is now, Bernie Kosar. But, you know, I remember, you know, well, the day after Thanksgiving, conference championships and New Year's Eve and New Year's Day and the Cotton Bowl, the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, and you played in some of these games in the early 80s when college football uh, those games meant something. And there was an amazing amount of pomp and pageantry. But you know what ruins it, Bernie? I'll be honest with you. And you're a businessman. You made a lot of money in business. What ruins it is, hi, Margo, I love you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. What ruins it is it went from the Orange Bowl, for example, to the FedEx Bowl, or it went from the Rose Bowl to the Xerox. All these businesses attaching their names to these otherwise prestigious bowls to me, was the beginning of the end. Your thoughts? Well, the commercialization of it absolutely added to the confusion of it. And then for a guy who 40 years ago was so proud to have been in the Orange Bowl when it was the 50th Orange Bowl to win the national championship, um, that that uh, his history of it is something that I absolutely concur with you that I love being a part of. And it's, it's, it's absolutely been lost in, in the translation. So I watched the Chiefs on uh, Sunday. I'm about to do another movie. I start filming on Thursday. There's a young lady named Taylor Laffey, and she's one of these um, Instagram smash successes, you know. And um, I don't know. I never met her, but she's going to be in this movie, and her brother plays for the Chiefs. So I said, well, now you got the Swifties and you got the Laffies, and last time I spoke to you, you were hanging out in Kansas City with Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Is that Kosar, Swift, Kelsey love affair still going on? Love. I love what they're doing, charity, foundational work in Kansas City. Yes is the short answer to that, Operation Breakthrough. And one of the things that you've, uh, you know I've been passionate about and some of the things that um, we're going to be doing from the health and wellness perspective, um, we'll have 22 veterans unfortunately commit suicide today. We've had over 100 people in the state of Ohio just die of the fentanyl issue in the last few days here. Some of the things that they're doing in Kansas City that Travis Kelsey does with his Operation Breakthrough, um, what what they're doing there to be able to implement that through other parts of the country that I'm able looking to bring here into Cleveland is something super proud of. And as we're starting our new year out with with um, hopefully optimism and stuff to to be able to give back to people that are struggling that didn't come didn't come through the holidays like they wanted. It's super oh. cool what those 
what they're doing there in Kansas City. Well, good for them, and the Chiefs did get a win. I've been watching all week people like my dear friend Christopher Russo on ESPN telling us that the Chiefs are dead, and they may still be dead. I don't know. I don't know what they're if they have a chance of going back to their fourth Super Bowl in five years. But hearing what you're saying, what Travis does off the field, that, that does make my heart warm. And I know you want to get to it during this conversation, Bernie, uh, what you are doing on a daily basis. Uh, you went through an awful lot, brain injuries, and, and I was with you, and we hung out quite a bit doing shows together and going out to eat, and uh, you were having a tough time, and you have completely, completely come out the other side, uh, medical breakthroughs, and quite frankly, your resiliency, which led to that. But but give the listeners out there just a little a little uh, info on what you've been doing the last couple of years to help out people who don't end up, God forbid, like Junior Seau or David Duerson. Well, God, you mentioned two friends like Junior or Dave Duerson, guys I played against and competed against and then tried and got treatment with together and then to talk with them about back years ago, and both of them unfortunately aren't here today because they committed suicide by shooting themselves in the heart before we really understood a lot that was going on within our um, within our heads, within within the TBI or CTE, whatever the acronym is for it. But, you know, as a guy now who learned how to flush and detox my body um, myself, it took me a lot of years to do that. And we had said earlier in the segment, man, we had – we have over we've had over 110,000 people die in our country from the fentanyl death in the last um, year. I had over 100 the last few days in Ohio. 22 veterans are going to commit suicide. I had another teammate of mine, Notre Dame grad, national championship with Notre Dame, blocked for me with the Browns. Bob Dahl committed suicide a couple months ago. It's tough things to talk about. So, you know, whether it's become so extreme in our country and, and, and one of my companies, Range Impact, doing no harm to people and the planet and some of the stuff that we've been able to do and doing no harm to people and the planet, I've learned now to be able to, what I'm able to take into my body to be healthy. I haven't taken a pill now. I've been saying last year when I was on the show, Sid, I was proud to say I haven't taken a pill in five years, God bless it's now you. turned into 2024, so I'm going to alter my story. It's now been six years. Oh, and beautiful. Some of, the, some of the health and wellness stuff, you know, that I do from um, flushing and detoxing my body, which ironically on your show is you know, somewhat politically oriented, too, because uh, whether you're a D or an R, um, this issue affects your, your well, family. It does, but, but let me say this on the way out, uh, and I replaced D as no longer Democrat. It's a douchebag. And I'll tell you why, because you've now mentioned during this great conversation, and God, I love you. You're brilliant. You know that, Bernie. You're a great football player, but even a smarter person. You've mentioned uh, fentanyl a bunch of times, and the reason why people are dying in this country at alarming numbers is because your Democrat president has allowed the border to remain wide open for two-plus years after Donald Trump, my guy, did a tremendous job closing the border and wasn't allowing all these illicit and deadly drugs coming into America at the pace Joe Biden is. So while you get ready to caucus in Iowa with all your buddies, keep that in mind. If you're worried about uh, you know overdoses and drug deaths, the right president for you is Trump, not Biden. 
Well, with all the migrants that are in the New Jersey train station today, <laughs> I absolutely understand, my brother, what you are talking about with the caucus coming up. But with, but with what you uh, said about whether it's a D, douche, or D or R and stuff, I have to respectfully disagree because um, actually in one of the great ways that I've been able to get myself healthy, and I'm not just trying to say this to promote my kosarcoffee.com, uh, but the Democrat senator from the great state of New Hampshire, Jean Shaheen, and her awesome husband, Bill Shaheen, who was the U.S. attorney under Billy Carter, um, and Jean Shaheen is a Democrat from um, New Hampshire, they have a great technology for the black coffee bean that flushes and detoxes the brain and liver and puts the vitamins and supplements in my body. This is actually one of the key cores to why I haven't done pills wow. in six years now, my brother. Well, so. good. Well, they should uh, keep making coffee and stay away from politics. That's all. God bless them. <laughs> <laughs> just, just don't make any decisions for me. They can help you. That's great. But don't make any decisions for me. Uh, <laughs> listen, where can people quickly on the way out, Bernie Coso, where can they find out more about all that great work you're doing? Well, check me out at kosarcoffee.com, but mainly, mainly for people out there right now. You're starting the 2024 year out there. We've been so polarized and so extreme, moving towards towards the kind of the outer fringes of it. Let's move more towards the middle. Let's all get along. Let's work together. We have a great country here, and we're able we're going to be able to make a healthy, healthy difference in 2024, brother. Check me out at CoastArCoffee.com. You matter. You matter, too. Let's go, Browns. I love you, Bernie Kosar. Great job today, as always. Stay well. We'll talk again very, very soon for these NFL playoffs, okay? Love you, brother. I love you, too. That's my man, Bernie Kosar. That conversation, the whole hour, brought to you by our dear friend Pete Morgan and the fine folks at PeerlessBorders.com. Check them out today, PeerlessBorders.com, PavilionTankless.com. They built America's best boilers, the world's best boilers. They now are uh, sponsoring the whole 9 o'clock hour. Big show tomorrow. Yes, the great one, Mark Levin. He's coming back and making her debut on the Sid Rosenberg Show. Sage Steele, come on now. That's right, she's here. <laughs> We're done for a Tuesday. Till tomorrow. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GaboLaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.